Join Winnipeg Sports Talk, live from the NHL Draft in Nashville, presented by CoolBet, beginning on June 26th. This is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily, with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome to another edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. A big game day edition. Huge tilt tonight. IG Field, Bombers, and Lions. Darren Bombing's going to join us coming up in our first segment to tee up this big one at IG Field. We will also discuss all the big stories around the local sports scene, both Bombers and, of course, the Winnipeg Jets with Scotty Billick of the Winnipeg Sun. And as we get ready... For a week in Nashville at the NHL Draft next week, Adam Kimmelman of NHL.com with a little more draft talk coming up towards the end of today's program. Welcome to everyone watching live on YouTube. If you're new, welcome to the program. Hit that red subscribe button and join us daily Monday to Friday live at 1 Central here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. And make sure you're subscribing to the audio podcast wherever you get your favorite pods. Just search Winnipeg Sports Talk and subscribe, and you'll have the fresh audio content just in time for your drive home from work in and around 3.30 every afternoon. Excuse me. We've got a lot to get to. Obviously, this Bomber game tonight is going to be a heck of a matchup between the Bombers and Lions and some big Jets news um, that is not really a surprise to many. But certainly it seems like there's a little bit more clarity revolving Blake Wheeler's situation. We're going to get to that in a minute. Just before we get Michael Remus in here, a huge thanks to the sponsors that make this show happen every day. Uh, Princess Auto, Consolidated Supply, Royal Sports BP, Breezy Bend, Aikens Lake, Little Brown Jug, Nick and Nikki DQ, F Apparel, Wallace and Wallace, Vita Health Fresh Market. Of course, it's the Winnipeg Gold Eyes who are back at home again tonight. Assiniboia Downs. Modern Man Barbershop, Aquatech, Manitoba Battery, Canadian Club. We'll do a why not question of the day for our friends at Not Autocorp over at Waverly and McGilvery. And of course, Cool Bet lines for Cool Bet. And as I mentioned, next week, Monday, make sure to join us live from Nashville all week long. Winnipeg Sports Talk at the NHL Draft presented by Cool Bet. Let's get Remus in here to get this show on the road. Rima, what is up? How are you? Now can they hear you? Okay, what's up is... So we're testing, probably a big show for us to be doing any type of testing today, but this is the first stream on the WST uh, mobile laptop. So uh, we're testing it out, and it seems to be working good. What a day, though. Uh, you know, We've been talking about Jets, news, rumors all weekend. The rumors are flying. We have insiders in the chat today. Um, <laughs> it's, it's crazy. And, yeah, Mike McIntyre did drop the news about an hour ago on Twitter, two hours ago at 11 a.m., saying uh, the Blake Wheeler era appears to be coming to an end. Sources tell Winnipeg Free Press the veteran Jets forward is expected to be bought out in the coming days if a trade can't be facilitated. And also, oh, yeah, the Bombers. Like, can I see you rocking that uh, WST bomber color yes. lead? Damn right I'm wearing this. This is my game day hat now for this season. And um, I got to give a shout out to Isha Boy Bruce because I did see him at the last game also wearing one of these and got plenty of great comments on them. I think we still do have a couple more of these. You can check out Royal Sports for them as well as the Winnipeg Sports Talk store. Just go to winnipegsportstalk.com slash store and uh, see what we've got. Uh, we've got cooking. Um, but yeah, just quickly before we get to the Wheeler situation in this game. 
We are streaming this from the laptop, and it is a good laptop. This laptop was able to broadcast from Qatar for two weeks when I was at the World Cup. It has been able to... <clears throat> I think I did the shows in Saskatoon for the curling. Yeah. Olympic trials on this one as well. But what's different is that this is actually going to be the controlling computer. Before, that was just the connecting computer. Uh, so far, so good, Remus. Where, where's your confidence levels uh, at this point very in the program high. as to how you're, how you're doing? Very high. Very high. I'm feeling good. I was a little nervous that our test show didn't come until Thursday before we leave uh, on the too. weekend to get there for, for Monday. Me too. That's how we do things. I know my neck not is not my department. <laughs> yeah, my neck is definitely going to be hurting. I was confident in my ability, so just make sure the video's smooth for everyone watching. But I think it should be good. I did get a new one thing. I'll I'll show it off here. I did get a new camera that we're going to use there. And look at this uh, clarity. How's that? Well, <laughs> uh, am I pretty clear? I'm like a, now I'm a pro YouTuber. Got the blue, got the blurred background. I'm looking pro. I'm looking pro over here. Oh, right you now. do. You do look good. Yeah. And and it's so funny to me. I mean, just going back to the start of WST. I mean, I always envisioned this as basically just an extension of what we did on the radio, and we were going to be doing this content. And we were going to be putting out in podcast form, which is how still the majority of people consume Winnipeg Sports Talk. And then Remus is like, "Wow, we should put it on YouTube for doing it anyways." And I'm like, yeah, "Okay, whatever. Sounds good. I guess there's no downside to that." And now he's such a such a stickler and a professional. He's worried about bitrate and how clear the cameras are. And we're actually turning into a pretty legit operation here. Who would have thunk it? But um, anyways, this is great to kind of get through today and make sure that everything's all systems go for the next couple of days. And then on Monday, we'll get going for Music City as we count down to Wednesday's first round of the NHL draft. And, you know, as far as it goes with Pierre-Luc Dubois, with Connor Hellebach and probably to a lesser extent, Mark Shifley, I do think that um, early next week is probably more likely when we're going to see some clarity or resolution on one or more of these situations. Um, but it's quite clear that this Wheeler story, Remo, has taken, uh, certainly got a little bit more steam behind it. And as Mike reported today, uh, it looks like the end is coming for Wheeler with the Winnipeg Jets, whether it be a buyout or whether it be a trade. Both options are certainly on the table, but I think what's pretty clear right now is the third option of Blake Wheeler returning to the Winnipeg Jets not really in the mix right now. So, I mean, you, they have until the 30th to execute the buyout. If they do have it, I mean, again, let's just be real here. Would you rather pay a guy... $4 million or $5.5 million if he's not going to be playing for you? Well, obviously, it's four. So if they do have the opportunity to trade Blake Wheeler, and albeit still probably having to eat over $4 million of his salary, that would be preferable to a buyout in which you have to pay $5.5 million, and it's $2.75 this year, albeit it's $5.5 million cap savings this season, but then $2.75 million on your cap next year. Um, however this gets settled, I, I mean, I'm not sure that, you know, the Jets are going to, like that $5.5 million of cap room is going to be a huge benefit this year. Or frankly, next year, if they have a $2.75 million cap hit because of the buyout this year, whether that's going to be a game breaker. What What is clear, though, 
is that organizationally, um, this team has realized that, you know, they did what they could do last year. They stripped Blake Wheeler the captaincy. They tried to have that cultural shift happen. We heard at the end of the year in that final address from players after being bounced by Vegas in the playoffs that Wheeler still was, in a lot of ways, the captain without a C. And, you know, to really hand this team over to Josh Morrissey, to Adam Lowry, to this next generation of Jets players that will be the culture carriers, it feels like this is a move that is definitely needs to be made. Um, and as I said, you know, in some ways, if it does go down with a buyout, you know, or a trade, uh, you know, it, it's unfortunate. I'll be, I agree, it's 100% necessary. I mean, a little bit unfortunate, but and I'm seeing already in the chat a lot of people, I think, focusing on the incredible contributions that Blake has made to the Winnipeg Jets, to this community um, since 2011. And I have no doubt that at some point later on, Blake will be welcomed back. He'll be a huge part of Winnipeg Jet history. Um, and again, I think this is going to be great for him. I mean, I think the last couple of years has really taken a toll on him. You know, we've heard from him in some of the, you know, interviews that he's done, you know, with Sarah Oleski after that real rough offseason, you know, that there had been some regrets that he'd had about the way some things had been handled. Um, but the one thing no one, I think, ever doubted was his commitment to, you know, giving 100% when he's out on the ice. And, um, you know, listen, he still had a pretty productive season last year. But if we're talking about a team that is truly going to have a culture change, that is going to move on from where they've been, you do have to change some of the more important pieces. And without a doubt, Blake Wheeler is that. And I do think from Wheeler's situation, a buyout would be the best possible scenario because at that point, you're able to sign wherever you want, wherever may give you the best chance to win a Stanley Cup. And you're already going to be getting a significant amount of that $8 million you were owed this year. So you can probably get made whole and give yourself a chance to win. But um, I don't think anyone should forget or overlook the incredible contributions of Blake over the years. But I don't think there's many people that don't agree that this is a necessary move for the Winnipeg Jets to, to make. Whether it ends in a trade or a buyout, the bottom line is there will be, uh, it'll be for the first time since the Winnipeg Jets have been here, a dressing room without number 26 in it. Yeah, the last remaining member of the Atlanta Thrashers no longer uh, on the Winnipeg Jets. And it's kind of sad thing. Like, he's about to hit 1,000 points. He's 78 points away. He's going to do it in another jersey. Assuming he still plays. There's people in chat wondering if, you know, he's going to retire. I mean, come on. He had 55 this points. This year? Someone said that. He's got 55 points last he's year. He's got 8 million reasons not to games. retire, folks. Yeah. Only Buff does that. Yeah, he's not. Uh, he's, he's still going to play. And I hope he goes and finds a place where he can, you know, play a role. I don't know if it's going to be a second line or a third line, third line role, you know, get some power play time, but it's pretty cool. Like, I think Jeff asked the question at the end of the season where he asked it to Morrissey and Morrissey said, you know, that wasn't my decision, but Rick bonus came in, surveyed all the players and said, you know what, Blake, you're not the captain anywhere. You're not going to be the captain and took away the C from his Jersey. And then at the end of the season, you have Lowry and Morrissey saying he still was basically the captain. And then Jeff said, what was, what was the point of all this? And I think this is just another step further of turning over the locker room. And I don't think it has anything to do with his on-ice play, but um, they're looking to you know reshape uh, what the Winnipeg Jets are, and they've decided this is the best. And I think when he signed that contract, 
Uh, so, you know, you knew what is he's 36 right now as a five-year deal. You knew he was going to be into his late thirties. And I think this was, maybe this was a possibility that they discussed uh, when it was signed because, you know, giving 30 plus players, you know, multi, you know, five-year contracts. Um, I think there's always a risk in that, but I don't think, I don't think his play has totally dropped off, but I think they, they don't really want to like diminish his role so much. And he's, you know, they tried to take away his leadership and he still was the leader of the team. And they're like, okay, we're, we're ready to move on here. Yeah. Um, it, it's very difficult to make that sort of change when the players are still there. I mean, for a long time, Paul Maurice basically gave Blake Wheeler the keys to the room. Mark Shifley was riding shotgun with him. And those guys were the ones, I mean, Maurice famously said, I don't spend very much time in the room. That's their place. They do their thing there. And you know, I think there can be certainly if you have the right group, there can really be some positives that come with come with that. Um, but if your room does get a little bit sheltered, I think there can be some whether it's jealousy, whether it's, um, uh, you know, just you it starts to get fractured and you get cliques. And that's not maybe the best way to build a team. And, you know, listen, we famously heard plenty of stories about what was happening behind the scenes in that 2019 season when Patrick Laine went into a funk and, you know, he ended up being traded, which still is, you know, you know, un unfortunately something that I think will always be associated with that sort of core leadership group and, you know, the move that happened afterwards. Um, but listen, when Blake is gone, we'll sit back and I, I think hopefully for the most part, remember, the great times that he had and the amazing seasons that he had. And I'll just say one thing about Wheeler. And I believe this was in the 15-16 season. Because if I recall correctly, it was at the end of it was at the end of the season when Andrew Ladd had already been traded. And Blake Wheeler, I was in Dallas. Gary and I were on the road doing shows. And I was in the press box for that game. And in the third period late in the game the jets were not technically eliminated from the playoffs but they were pretty damn close they needed to basically win their games and have a bunch of things happen it was all but over and wheeler got driven into the open many of you might remember this the door was open on the bench and he got absolutely nailed into the open door and i mean it looked it looked horrible I mean, you were really worried that there was like a really serious injury um, that would, you know, hamper him, you know, well into the offseason. And about two minutes later, this was like five minutes, six minutes, I think, left in the game. And with two and a half minutes, Blake Wheeler comes out of the dressing room and gets back out there and does everything he can to try and get this team back into the game to win, to keep their playoff hopes alive. And I remember saying on the show the next day, that was the moment that I pretty much knew that Blake Wheeler was the next captain of the Winnipeg Jets. And he certainly did that. I think for a long time, he did a good job of it. He certainly was an incredibly productive player for Winnipeg. Um, you know, he led the team in scoring on a number of, uh, on a number of uh, occasions. And I mean, really those back-to-back 91-point -back seasons in 17-18 and 2018-19, really the height of it. But I mean, even last year, when a lot of people had completely written him off, and he had the indignity of losing the C at the beginning of the year, and people were wondering how it would go. I mean, on the ice, he took care of his business. I mean, 16 goals, 55 points in 72 games. 
at his age. And I think it is clear he still can play, Remo. And I know Kenny's water bottle popped in chat, said, just watch, he's going to get bought out and he'll go sign for a million and a half or two with Vegas and win his cup. Um, hey, if that happens, I mean, that sort of scenario does happen all the time. And I think Wheeler, if he is bought out, will have that opportunity to maybe find a spot where he comes in in a very different role than he had as the guy in Winnipeg for so many years. Um, can go into a room where they've got their captain, they've got their culture set. The job on him is going to be to fit in, help his team win hockey games, and maybe he does get that. But um, listen, he, he has had a, a huge impact here in this community and on this hockey club. And like with pretty much most players, there's stories of good and there's stories of bad. The most important story for the Winnipeg Jets, though, I think most people would agree, is that it is time to turn the page from 2.0 to a 3.0 that's going to happen when Mark Scheifele and Blake Wheeler are no longer with the Winnipeg Jets. And uh, from the sounds of it, Mike's report, and as I've mentioned, I mean, the minute Darren Drager started tossing out unprovoked that the Jets are considering buying up Blake Wheeler, that told me all I needed to know, that the end was coming and that when we get to training camp next year, Rick Bonus will not be answering questions about who's the real captain of the team or anything like that. They'll be able to name their captain, move forward, and uh but, I mean, I think when this officially does happen, however it is, whether it's a trade or whether it is a buyout, I think we have to think back. And as much as people may have had issues with Blake and how he dealt with some certain people and some things that had happened, um, some pretty significant contributions, maybe more than anyone over the course of this 2.0 era here in Winnipeg. Yeah, Blake Wheeler. I mean, there was a stretch where he missed me. I think there's like a 10-year stretch where he missed three games. Uh, and he had stuff like took a puck to the throat went into the gate. I remember he got his knee driven into the pole. Um, you know, was it two years ago where he had that knee injury? He thought it was going to be the end for a long time. He came back quick. I mean, he's had the ultimate sacrifice last year with the ruptured testicle. Um, he played through everything, uh, left it all out on the ice, uh, led the league in assists in 2017-18 with 68. And you look at over a 10-year period, Huss, in the tw- all the 2010s, he's ninth among all players in points. Uh, I mean, incredible run there. And I don't know. I did, unfo- you know, unfortunate that he's not going to get a thousand points in a Jets jersey, as I said. Uh, but I mean, no denying his contributions. You know, we, I always thought of him as like a, a big guy in ice hockey, but with speed and hands. Um, you know, him rushing down the wing, driving to the net, or passing to Patrick Line. Uh, for a one-timer so many so many moments of him and um yeah i just have to say you mentioned you know like vintage wheeler was him using his body and his size and doing that rush in and sometimes taking it to the net and i I just have to tell this story quickly uh, because it's from last season and i was hosting i was emceeing the hockey helps the homeless banquet on the night the jets were hosting i believe it was the boston bruins or no, Nashville Predators. And I so I had missed the first couple periods, but I was able to come back in. The thing was ever, and I caught the end of the third period. And that was that was the game where Blake got the ruptured nut. And in the third period of that game, Wheeler, while playing with the ruptured testicle, did a vintage Wheeler move putting it to the net. It wasn't something we saw a lot in those final couple of years, but almost scored the winning goal. 
and and I remember thinking about that moment the next day when we found out the severity of the injury. And, and and once again, it was one of those moments going, man, he was a he was a special athlete and a guy that really did put pain and a lot of things to the side to try to help his team win. So um, I'm sure there's people that have issues with some of the things that happened while he was the captain of the club. And hey, listen, I mean, there's there's two sides to it all. And the bottom line is they are going to be taking a pretty significant financial hit to have him move on. Um but I've always been a glass half full guy and uh, I'll remember fondly Blake's time with the Winnipeg Jets. And listen, obviously nothing is official right now, but as we hear those reports from Mike and I mean, more and more, uh, it just becomes clear that that is going to be uh, the way things shake out with a guy that's been a mainstay and basically a, uh, one of the Winnipeg Jets faces of the franchise ever since this team came here from Atlanta. Yeah. Just before we get to Darren on the bombers and their game against BC, uh, might just some quotes from Mike's story. One NHL source said a buyout is very possible, but not a certainty. They're exploring the trade market. Another source uh, said the Wheeler family has told members of its inner circle the organization intends to move on without him, and the Jets or Wheeler's agent would not comment on the situation. Uh, so there's just a couple, couple things from Mike. Nice story there from uh, a report. Yeah, yeah, and listen, I mean, I know I've seen it. I didn't want to comment too much in chat, but there's a lot of people that have been saying there's no way the Jets would do that. They're too cheap. They're not paying Blake Wheeler to, to leave. They won't take it. Trust me, that is the way it's looking right now, and uh, I don't think there's even, well, I guess you can always say there's a possibility. It's an incredibly remote possibility that this ends any other way than either a trade or a buyout, and we should have some confirmation on that by the end of next week uh, because, of course, the end of the buyout window is the 30th of June. Um, we'll get back to that. We'll talk about it more with Billick a little later on. Uh, and we will get to a why not question of the day for our friends at Not Autocorp. Um, well, you know what? I'll, I'll let, me, let me hit that with you right now because, um, oh, Ken's coming up later on today. Okay, perfect. Sorry, I thought it was Billick. Um, we'll get to all of that with Kenny Weeb. I'm sorry for uh, mixing that up. But before we get to Darren, uh, why not question of the day for not Autocorp over Luke Wavery and McGilvery? Are the British Columbia Lions the biggest threat to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers in the e in the West? And maybe the entire Canadian Football League. I guess we'll find out tonight, but let's see what you think about right now. Let us know, is this the matchup of the two teams to beat and the biggest threat to the Bombers in the Western Division? Let us know in the chat. Just before we get to DB and Darren bombing... Gotta fire up and uh, to let you know about our friends at Modern Man Barbershops now with, with uh, eight locations in the city of Winnipeg, including the newest locations over on uh, Pamina Highway and on Plessy Road. Uh, they've got a variety of grooming services, including haircuts, beard shaping, shaves, color services, and more. Book your look via modernmanbarber.com and give them a follow on Instagram at Modern Man Barbershops. It's cooled down a little bit, but this summer has been smoking so far and it can stay hot. And I know many of you are considering making 2023 the year you take the plunge. With Aquatech, visit aqua-tech.ca to design your own custom pool. Their team can provide on-the-spot pricing from designers as well as financing options that suit you. And whole home renovations start with Aquatech as well. Thousands of rentals is their foundation. Let them upgrade any space in your home. Aquatech's ready to make your rental dreams a reality. 
Learn more about design, pricing, and financing options at aqua-tech.ca. Uh, I, I told you, we just had the crazy boat battery blowout sale over at Manitoba Battery. Well, I'll tell you what, school is out for summer, and there's a lot going on right now. Kids are out after another successful uh, school year, and you know who else deserves a big shout-out this time? Parents who spent 10-plus months keeping up with busy school and sports sheds, and now for a bit the schedule slows down. So for the parents out there, the team at Manitoba Battery wants you to enjoy the free time. Enjoy the break and unwind however you see fit. And if your summer fun includes anything that might need a battery, let Manitoba Battery look after you with low prices and free delivery anywhere in Winnipeg. They have fun summer deals going on right now. So when in need, go to manitobabattery.com and let Donnie and the gang help you enjoy this. One time a year, <coughs> where you can let life slow down a bit again. You can pop down and see him at 1026 Logan Avenue, uh, but any purchase over 60 bucks for whatever you need your batteries for, they're dropping it off your doorstep for free. Give them a call as well. Tell them the boys at Winnipeg Sports Talk sent you. And just before we bring in Darren Bombing, it's Canadian Club uh, uh, CC and Ginger Night. At IG Field, you know it. We'll see you by the Rum Hut tonight. Of course, Canadian Club and all the uh, the products available throughout the stadium, as well as CC and Ginger. And I do want to congratulate a few of our members who won Jim Beam social passes tonight. Our guy Mean Gene Okerlund, Isha Boy Bruce, and David Asplund all going to the game tonight with a couple Jim Beam social passes that get them into the stadium and get a free CC and Ginger. Of course, it's available throughout it. And uh, another great reason to be a WST member because you never know when some great giveaways are going to happen through the member channels. We can sign up right here on our YouTube page right now. All right, let's get ready for this game tonight. Darren Bombing joins us now. Bonfire Sports mixed it up after our show yesterday with the legendary Chris Walby getting ready. And let me hit you with our why not question of the day, Darren. Is this a battle of the two best teams in the Canadian Football League right now, or at least the Western Division? I'll do my best to break this down to one word, Hustler. Yes, it <laughs> absolutely is. Saskatchewan, a team Winnipeg beat last week. They've shown some things. Calgary, better in week two than week one. Toronto, we've seen them play one game against a winless Hamilton Tiger Cats team. The Tiger Cats, yeah, they're, they're winless and, and headed home now without their number one quarterback. Uh, all of those teams that were kind of in the mix of, okay, who's going to push the Winnipeg Blue Bombers this season? I don't even know if Winnipeg would have, or, or if BC would have led that conversation because of, you know, no longer Nathan Rourke being there. Vernon Adams Jr., he has been inconsistent through his entire CFL career, but he has joined somebody that's brought the best out of every quarterback he's worked with. That is Lions offensive coordinator, Mark Maximet and... He's done it over and over and over again. He looks in the early going here to have done it with uh, Vernon Adams Jr. But yeah, absolutely. The toughest test for the Lions is going to be coming into the madhouse on Matheson, IG Field, uh, and facing, no doubt, the uh, most top-to-bottom complete team in the CFL. Um, I'll say this. Vernon Adams, like, it's not an easy spot to go in. I mean, Nathan Rourke tore the league up was a Canadian kid. It was one of the great yeah. stories in recent CFL history. I mean, in fact, if you're talking about Canadian quarterbacks, you can go back a long, long time, decades, without anyone making an impact that Rourke did. Um, 
So, I mean, when he signs, you understand he's got a great opportunity to make NFL money and to go down there for sure. The guy filling those shoes, Darren, is in somewhat of an unenviable position, albeit they do have a talented football team and have some great weapons for him. Um, I think it was a positive that he got a chance to play when he did last year um, because he's looked really good so far this season. Now, got a heck of a challenge going up into Winnipeg in this environment against the Blue Bomber defense, but so far so good for Vernon Adams, although he didn't need to be too great last week because their defense on the other side was shutting out the Elks, and we don't see shutouts in the Canadian Football League very often. No, and uh, it's not like Vernon Adams and, and the BC Lions offense knocked Edmonton's socks off, right? They had nine points at halftime. It was a 9 nothing game, finished 22 nothing. Uh, you know, look, look at the history books. It's been a long, long time since uh, the Edmonton Elks have been shut out uh, in a football game. Um, but, you know, I think when you look at Vernon Adams Jr. and his body of work through his CFL career, it has been up and down, as I mentioned. Uh, he's been with, you know, a couple teams hopping around a little bit. The Montreal Alouettes gave Vernon Adams Jr. every opportunity to succeed, and he just couldn't put it together, whether it was injury or inconsistent performance. Uh, you know, you could probably rack it up to, to a lot of different things. But filling the shoes of Nathan Rourke, that would be a tough task for anybody. It is a tough task for anybody. Maybe Zach Kolaris would be the only player in the league capable of actually doing that. But that said, um, you know, it's not like the BC Lions were like, Vernon's our guy. They traded assets to the Hamilton Tiger Cats to acquire Dane Evans, who was an absolute turnover machine in 2022 and really had Hamilton uh, up against it when it came to their quarterback play and that decision to move on from Jeremiah Masoli. They knew they needed to make a change and uh, moving Dane Evans to BC to back up Vernon Adams Jr. You know, they said all the right things going into training camp. You know, uh, Dane Evans is going to push Vernon Adams, but this is Vernon Adams' job. Uh, we're starting to see now why Jordan Maximet wanted Vernon Adams Jr. He is a versatile player with the ability to beat you with his arm and with his legs. It is just two weeks, and the tough test is tonight at IG Field. Where will he continue this level of play? Will the BC Lions continue to be as dangerous without Dominique Grimes in the lineup? Keon Hatcher also on the six-game injured list. They get Lucky Whitehead back. That's a nice weapon. He's going to be going up against a lot of snaps in a rookie in the Blue Bombers secondary in Abu Durame Soiree, who's filling in for... Demario Houston, who's away for personal reasons. I'm really looking forward to seeing Winnipeg's defense versus Vernon Adams. Taquan Mizell, for you fantasy players out there, incredibly fast running back that has, uh, you know, put up some good numbers in the first two weeks. Uh, I'm, you know, when the crowd really gets going and that crowd noise is rocking with the Blue Bombers defense on the field, it's going to be must watch. Yeah, no doubt. You, you mentioned those injuries in the BC receiving core, and that's, you know, something that's going to put even more pressure on Vernon Adams. Um, but you also mentioned the Bomber defense. I'm fascinated to see how this team comes out because, I mean, listen, we were all there for week number one, and the Bomber defense looked like, I mean, they were Grey Cup ready in the first week of the season, Darren. I mean, you know, they made Bo Levi Mitchell's evening miserable from start to finish pretty much. Um, Trevor Harris fared much, much better against the Blue Bomber defense. And 
And, you know, you you, you take out a couple players, and uh, I'm just going to go with ADS making his debut uh, at corner. I mean, there is a little, maybe a little bit more question about the Bomber defense, but I have a feeling you've been around this team. I'm not sure they were too pleased with the way they played against Saskatchewan despite the 18-point win, and I think to a man, that defense is uh, looking for a much better performance um, and obviously supporting a young player like that going in against a quality team and making his debut. Richie Hall, defensive coordinator of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, uses a credo and, and has instilled it in the minds of his players for many years now as he has built this defense up to really the class of the CFL over the last number of years. And that is zero one three, And that is the order of which the Blue Bombers defense wants to allow points. Zero points is the ideal. One point and a rouge is the next. Three being a field goal is you know, probably the lowest on the rung they want to do. Uh, touchdowns are not part of their mental equation. So they'll allow a lot of yards. Uh, I've been doing the the rounds on uh, Saskatchewan radio and podcasts and the rest all throughout the week, three or four different spots I've hit this week. And while they always ask me about Connor Hellebuck and uh, Blake Wheeler and Shifley and Dubois and the rest, they, they want to know, you know, my perspective on what I saw in Saskatchewan because for a, you know, 45-27 loss, there is still a lot of good feelings in Saskatchewan for the way they played, which is kind of crazy when you think about a 13-point, what, what is it, you know, a 20-something a, a point win for the Blue Bombers, almost a 20-point win. So uh, while Saskatchewan put up a lot of yards, while Trevor Harris looks comfortable in this offense and, and they've got a nice kind of one-two punch with Jamal Morrow and, and Frankie Hickson, Winnipeg shut down the run game. They made Saskatchewan one-dimensional. If you throw for 300, 350 yards, fine. If you keep the touchdowns off the board and you allow your offense to not have to get into a foot race with the opponent, and that is Zach Kolaris needing to create touchdowns, Winnipeg is going to be on the right side of the win-loss ledger more often than not. So, yeah, the yards are, are concerning, but I don't think they're overly concerning when you think about how Winnipeg, with that 0-1-3 credo, uh, how they approach football game in and game out. Uh, Darren Bombing of Bonfire Sports with us set up the uh, kickoff to Week 3 in the Canadian Football League tonight, 7.30 at IG Field. Don't forget the Princess Auto Tailgate Zone gets going at 5.30 p.m., um, man, Zach Caleros has looked great so far <laughs> this season. And, you know, I, I can't say that I, I thought that the news about Kenny Lawler being out for the beginning of the season was going to, you know, have a massive impact on their season just because of how good the team is overall and how deep they are. But I'll tell you what, Darren, I mean, Zach Caleros uh, in these first two games has looked so sharp, so in, uh, like with such a great connection with his receivers like, it might take a little time for Kenny to kind of remind him that, hey, I'm over here when he gets back. Um, that being said, the two guys that have really stood out to me, Dalton Schoen, despite being banged up a little bit, and Nick Dembski in his first game. And to me, uh, those guys are going to be uh, the most consistent targets tonight and uh, will certainly have their opportunity to go up against a pretty good BC defense that obviously is feeling pretty good about themselves considering the way they handled Edmonton last week. 
we know what we got in Nick Dembski, right? So versatile, so dangerous. I call him the Canadian army knife. He's like a Swiss army knife in, in so many tools uh, and sharp ones at his disposal. Uh, you know, maybe his Canadian status works against him because I think he's a little bit underrated in the CFL. When you talk about the top receivers in the league coming into this year, when the blue bombers added Kenny Lawler to Dalton Schoen and Nick Dembski and another good Canadian in Drew Olatarski, who's found the end zone already. And then people realize, oh yeah, they got that absolute tower of a weapon in Carlton Agadosi back healthy again and, and going to be able to start. And they add Rashid Bailey back, you know, uh, you know, after he tested the free agent market a little bit and Kenny Lawler. And people are just like, are you serious? How can you add another guy of, you know, top three you know, receivers in the CFL conversation. How can you add to that with the two-time reigning MOP as the starting quarterback? It's an absolute embarrassment, red-faced embarrassment of riches here in Winnipeg, let alone the offensive line and Brady Oliveira coming off a thousand yard rushing season. Uh, the, you know, maybe it'll take a little bit of time for Kenny Lawler to get back into the mix once he's able to get things straightened out with the border and, and uh, um, you know, uh, customs or whatever it is and, and, and get back to work. Um, the reality is Zach Kolaris has never had the continuity he has had in the quarterback room in his entire football career. And I mean, all the way back to high school and Pop Warner and the rest. Same OC, same O-line, same backup quarterback, same core of receivers. And with that, I think comes something people don't appreciate about pro sports, and in particular, pro football in the CFL, is that if you keep that same group together, like who gets to do that? It's such such a rare thing. You see quarterback movement, you see coach movement and, and offensive coordinators in different systems. Winnipeg has kept it all together. And I think we're starting to see now why Zach Kolaris has started the season so strong. The offense has been a 40 point producer both weeks that they've played. And uh, to top it all off, uh, this offense is only going to get better when you add Kenny Lawler to it. It's really, really something. You know, uh, Darren, I mean, out, coming out of the first game, I mean, the one area, and this is not an area that you normally sort of nitpick with, that's coached by Mike O'Shea, was the special teams. Now, Castillo has been lights out. He was He's exactly as we remember him, exactly what the team wanted him. Uh, I've been really intrigued by the punter. Uh, I thought the kick coverage got a lot better against Saskatchewan than it was. And then, I mean, Janarian Grant, we've been talking about his punt return all yeah. week long. You're not going to get that each and every week, but they've got one of the most lethal um, options when it comes to the return game. But as far as both kicking and punting, it kind of seems like the Bombers have taken a big step forward in both of those categories. And I hate to say it, that's bad news for the rest of the CFL. Or actually, I love to say it. <laughs> one of the um, one of the things that really stood out to me this week, and I heard this secondhand, but uh, Mark Killam is one of the best special teams coordinators in the CFL, running things for the Calgary Stampeders, probably the next head coach candidate if there's an opening uh, this coming year. Uh, Mark Killam, uh, I heard someone say that he said something to the effect of, "If there's one player in the league that keeps me up at night, it's Janarian Grant." So if that doesn't tell you just how good he is, when you talk about Mario Alford and, and uh, uh, you know, Deadman and all these different dangerous kick returners and special teams player in the CFL, when someone like Mark Killam says he's the one guy that keeps me up at night, I think people start to realize or, you know, if they haven't yet, wake up. 
Janarian Grant is an absolute game breaker. And hearing his teammates, as well as head coach Mike O'Shea, use words like grit and just fearlessness to initiate contact, not receive contact. When a tackler's coming at him and the, and the angle's bad, a lot of guys with a lot of speed, they, they do what they've always done. Okay, I'm going to double back or I'm going to try to make a juke move and beat this guy. Janarian Grant's like, no, I don't care if you have the angle on me. I'm going to put a fist right in your face. I'm going to put it in the middle of your chest. I'm going to push you off of me and then use my speed. This is a small guy. This isn't a huge, huge dude. This isn't Cordero Patterson or something like that. That's got 230 pounds running with the ball. He is a smaller guy, 5'9", 5'10", and, and under 200 pounds. But he is not afraid of contact. He has that grit. And then after running 65 yards, 75 yards uh, to the width of the field, he's able to turn the corner, turn on the afterburners, and absolutely torch through the rest of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders defense. Uh, I know your question included a lot of other things, but there's a reason everybody is talking about Janarian Grant this week. I-, I can't stop talking about him. That return was legendary. No, it, it certainly was. Um, and, uh, you know, on the other side of things, as I said, Castillo, we don't need to spend much yeah. time. He's been brilliant. Um, but I was interested in how the punting would look after the release of Legio. And uh, yeah. the Aussie has been... Uh, putting quite a bit of Vegemite on those balls and that's been looking good. <laughs> Love it. Vegemite. I'll have to mention that to Jam next time I talk to him. Jamison Sheehan. He says, you can call me Jam. And I love that for a punter to get you out of a jam, call on Jam Sheehan uh, <laughs> to help you out. But what we're seeing in him uh, is, is almost the ideal for us here in Canada that don't know too much about these Aussie guys. The ideal in the sense that, well, how do they kick the ball? Can they do some different things? He absolutely can. It's been very cool to watch him do some end-over-end kicks, some sidewinders. He puts a little English on it, you know, to, to reference the Commonwealth for the Aussie. Uh, you know, just the, the way he's able to kick the ball in different ways, I think has a lot of return teams, opponents of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, wondering what's next, What? Is he going to pull out of his tool belt next? So uh, it's been very interesting to watch. Jam Sheehan, I think, uh, is a name people are going to be getting more familiar with as the season goes on. Well, really looking forward to this game tonight. Should be a heck of a matchup. 7.30 it begins. And, of course, uh, you'll be uh, firing it up afterwards on the Bonfire Show with the full post-game report over at Bonfire Sports. Make sure to check that out. Bombing, you are a man that wears many hats. And for a moment, I'll get you to turn your hat around and let's talk about the uh, the win last night for the uh, for the Sea Bears. They do it again against the Vancouver Bandits. Yeah, I'll, um, I'll, leave, it, I'll leave it on forwards for, for people. For sure. That are, this is our Sea Bears section. Uh, tell yeah, us about the game last night. initiated to Winnipeg's professional basketball team that uh, has been incredibly impressive as a true expansion franchise. The Calgary Surge is a new team in the league as well. Fifth year of the CEBL here in Canada. Uh, but they were a team that moved. So they had some establishment there. Winnipeg has been a true expansion franchise. And as the season has gone on, We've seen different guys step up and help them win games. It was the Winnipegger, the beast from River East, Chad Posthumus, helping early on with some great defense and then scoring inside, real uh, you know physical presence at center at six foot eleven. Then it was Teddy Buckets, uh, a guy that is you know tying 
CEBL records in his first year here in Winnipeg. Nine three-pointers a couple games ago, tied a CEBL record. He put up 40 in that game, had 42 on the road in the game before. That tied a CEBL single-game scoring record. And then last night, absolutely electric atmosphere, court littered with a veritable who's who of Winnipeg famous. And it was Glenn Yang, a Calgary native, a Canadian, who was dishing the rock, seven assists, four rebounds, and then just some critical three-pointers when they needed it, uh, and the game-winning shot, uh, a mid-range jumper from the baseline to help the Seabears continue to push. Uh, They're right in that conversation, if not... I haven't checked the standings, I'll be honest, but they're they're right there uh, with the league leaders in the CEBL and in the West. When it comes to the playoffs coming soon, the Bears are going to be a team to be reckoned with as that gel and chemistry continues to grow under head coach Mike Taylor. If you haven't been to a Seabears game, you gotta go. Completely different vibe from any other sports venue you've been at uh, in Winnipeg, maybe even Canada. It's so electric in there, so much fun. Music during the action. It, it's a it's a party. You gotta check it out. Yeah, and I guess uh, right back at it tomorrow night at home as well. Yeah, that's right. Uh, John Godas will be back on the PA mic. I'm there uh, in case uh, his flight from Toronto uh, doesn't get through, but I'm I'm sure he's going to be there. Um, I I wouldn't miss a game for the world. And if you can't be there, those games are on TSN as well with uh, Christian O'Mell, Dave Crook, uh, and a couple other guys uh, on the play-by-play. Well, excellent. Uh, You you know what? You can step away from the microphone and sit in the row behind with me, and uh, we can kind of take it all in tomorrow night. Really looking forward to that one. And then the games have been so fun. And um, obviously one of the things about this is that, you know, I think that, you know, we just see what's so great about it is how well this team has been received so far. And I had no doubt we talked about it on the show before. I thought this was going to be a home run, but to the level that it has been a success. I mean, it's sort of rewriting and raising the bar for the rest of the CEBL Darren in that, you know, they smashed the record for the first, uh, for the attendance in the league for the first game. Yeah. They did it again in the second game. Um, how the last couple games, I mean, I didn't get numbers on the crowd, but I mean, they've been really good. I mean, they're seemingly consistently, I, I said, my prediction was that their average attendance for the year would end up being higher than the previous record attendance for yeah. the CEBL. And I think they're trending that way. Yeah, last year the record was 4,200, something in that range in Fraser Valley. That is now the the Vancouver Bandits. Jay Cole, the Grammy, multi-Grammy winning uh, rap and, and uh, hip-hop artist. And now minority owner the of the... Uh, shooting Stars last year. Yeah, he's just bought it. He just bought a piece of the Hornets, too, from Michael Jordan. A there very you big go. hoops guy. But yeah, he was playing last year in the league for a bit. He played in a game, and they had less in attendance than the Seabears have been getting. So to shatter that record with 7,000-plus in game one, to have over 5,000 for the second game, they've been just below that number and still well above the league record in attendance through all of their home games, it really says something about the community here in Winnipeg. You talk to executive director of basketball Manitoba, Adam Wedlake, or his legendary father at the UAW, Bill, uh, or other people in the Filipino or Nigerian uh, or um, you know basketball community, U of M, U of W. People have been pining mm-hmm. for elite pro basketball here in Winnipeg for a long, long time. And I think Winnipeg has put it on display for the league and for the country to see this is a basketball town. And even if you're not a huge basketball fan, you're just a sports fan, you're a Winnipeg sports fan, 
Go check out the Sea Bears. It's an absolute blast. I really recommend people checking it out. Well, the best part about it, I mean, the rules. They use those FIBA rules. I mean, I was skeptical to see what it was like. I mean, listen, I don't watch a ton of hoops regularly. And and famously, I'll watch a Raptor game. I'll just tune in the last five minutes and see what's happening. Watch it. Well, in this case, with, you know, turning the clock off and having that target score, there's no more you know, fouling for the sake of fouling. There's no more wasting time. The game yeah. always ends on a winning basket. That's and it best. certainly has cranked up the, uh, cranked up the entertainment value. Um, well, we'll talk sea bears uh, tomorrow, maybe a little bit. And obviously next week as the team continues this homestand, but Darren back to the bombers tonight before we go, what, uh, what is your prediction for tonight? Will we be talking about a three and bomber team tomorrow on Winnipeg sports talk? And uh, how do you see this one going? So my guy Schnitzi and I make our CFL picks uh, on Bonfire Midweek every uh, every week, and uh, you know both of us pretty confident Winnipeg will cover that six point spread. I think it's going to be an entertaining game. Nice to see that the weather will clear up for kickoff tonight. Yeah, um, yeah I, I think Winnipeg is going to be very comfortable. I think they're going to use that home crowd to their advantage to help um, you know snuff out uh, the BC Lions offense a little bit. But uh, I don't know if anybody can hold a candle to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. If I'm proven wrong tonight and BC puts up a really good fight, maybe even if they come away with the win, then we can start having a conversation about Winnipeg being amongst the others. Uh, But right now they are the class of the CFL and I expect them to flex on it all tonight. Yeah, I am with you on that. As I said to Dusty on the lock shop, I am not, I'm not betting against the Bombers until someone proves me wrong. They're 2-0 and against the spread tonight. They're getting my investment tonight. And a historic moment on the lock shop yesterday. My first ever winning CEBL bet. I nice. had I had this, yeah, the Seabears minus two last night. They just started putting the CEBL up there. So uh, if you do want to put a little sprinkle on the Seabears, you can do that over at CoolBet as well. Darren, looking forward to all your post-game coverage tonight. Thanks for doing this. And uh, catch up for uh, we can uh, pick your brain on the hoops tomorrow if you're not behind the microphone. Yeah, I appreciate that, Huss. Always good talking to you, man. Great time to be a Winnipeg sports fan right now. So uh, it's it's the summer of sports here in Winnipeg. Let's go. See you at the park tonight. IG Field, 7.30 p.m. There's Darren Bombing. Make sure you're giving a sub over to Bonfire Sports. And shout out to everyone that hung around with us till the end of the show and joined Darren and Chris for their program yesterday. Um, all right, Ken Weeb is going to join us. Coming up in just a couple minutes, uh, let me give a big shout out to our friends at Vita Health Fresh Market, though. In the meantime, if you want great prices on natural and organic supplements, beauty products, and groceries, and Winnipeg's largest selection of local products, too, it's all over there at Vita Health Fresh Market. And with barbecue season in full swing, Vita Health has amazing grass fed bison and beef steaks for your grill and Garden of Life formulas, including Prostate Protect and Once Daily Men's. To help support men's gastrointestinal health. Vita Health Fresh Market, empowering people to lead healthy lives. Seven Winnipeg locations and online at myvita.ca. Wallace and Wallace are Winnipeg's fencing and overhead door specialist. Doing it here in Winnipeg since 1946. If your property needs the security and protection of a new fence or if winter did a number on your old one, They've got you covered with vinyl, ornamental, welded wire, chain link, or wood fences. And if you need a new garage door, they also have Winnipeg's largest selection of overhead garage doors. 452-2700 is the number. The Wallace & Wallace team will arrange a time to come and give you a free estimate. You can also visit them at wallacefences.com 
or pop down to their showroom on Lawson Road off of Keniston. Fellas, how's the uh, how's the closet looking? We are getting into summer wedding season and, of course, a very busy fall ahead. If you need to up your menswear game, you need to head on down to F Apparel. Andrew and Alex and the fellas have custom suits beginning at 400 bucks, along with chinos, golf pants, custom shirts, both tucked and untucked styles, and an incredible selection of menswear accessories. Don't forget, 15% discount for wedding parties. If you guys are looking for to look great on the uh, on the big day, get your suits from F Apparel with a 15% discount for all the guys. Find out more at 190 Smith Street downtown or check them out online or make an appointment to go down and see them at F, that's E-P-H-Apparel.com. And hey, with summer in full swing, it's blizzard season every day right now. And the good kind, the kind over at the Nick and Nicky DQ, pop down and see them at DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park, DQ St. Anne's, DQ Niverville. All the summer blizzard flavors are in right now. Excuse me. And don't forget to grab maybe a few Buster Bars or some Dilly Bars to take care of the kids when you might not have the time to run out to a Nick and Nicky DQ. If you need a DQ ice cream or Blizzard cake, you can also hit them up online at DQ Manitoba for uh, a custom-made cake, however you like it, and a quick and easy pickup at any of the four Nick and Nicky DQs. All right, uh, we're waiting on Weber. Be a couple minutes. Let's get Remus back in here. And Remo, what's your thought on this game tonight? Well, one thing that's notable for BC, uh, Dominic Rhymes, he's on the injured list. Um, I forget what the injury is, but he's not available, and he's been pretty awesome uh, the first couple of games. So I'm curious about Vernon Adams Jr. Um, you know, they had trouble scoring touchdowns last week, and we've seen him be inconsistent before throwing interceptions. I think for the Bombers, um, then there's questions about their defense. They gave up, what, 400 yards to Trevor Harris last game? I mean, what kind of Vernon Adams are we going to see? You know if you get to him. Uh, you could force them to make mistakes. Uh, I am on the Bombers, though. They're I, they're the top team in the league uh, by a margin, so uh, I would still take them. Uh, but you hope that uh, they can contain Vernon Adams more so than they did uh, Trevor Harris. I mean, that was a tight one last week. It's funny thing about you know the Jets have all these uh, you know all this drama and controversy. The Bombers, it's like exact opposite. Everything's great. Like they're so good. Like. They just beat everyone. Well, the only thing their is number like, one, their number one receiver doesn't have clearance to work in Canada right mm-hmm. now, and it's a complete afterthought. Yeah, <laughs> I it's like, yeah, I mean, the the Bombers' biggest problem is they don't win by enough points uh, usually. So there's not too much. I just remember last year, like the most people we had time with the Bomber game was uh, when they lost to Montreal after uh, Legio missed that short kick. Like this year, I'm, I mean, it was kind of close there for a couple quarters, but they pulled out. They're just they're just too good, and it's. You almost take it for granted just because it was such a rough go. You know, I was looking through, you know, for a picture, and I was reminded of, like, a 2014 game where BC played uh, played the Bombers, and, like, Drew <laughs> Willie was that quarterback. And, you know, whenever you bring up the quarterbacks before Zach Kolaris, like, you can go through this long list that it took from Kahari Jones to him, and it always brings up, you know, it's fun to remember some names. But, um, I mean, this is an awesome team, and... They've gone to, what, three straight Grey Cups? Probably should have won three in a row. They did not. And looking to, I mean, that's the one goal for this year. These games are almost tune-up games here uh, for the big one in November. All right. Uh, we're going to have Weaver jump on in just a second. But, Remo, if you can, get Cool Bet up. Just, you know, considering we we're talking about this right now, 
we've put together a WST, a Winnipeg Sports Talk Parlay tonight, and I am amazed at the number that we got for this. I put this together. We're doing it for the lock shop today, but here it is. Zach Caleros. Well, Bombers to cover five and a half. So Bombers to win by six or more. Zach Caleros to hit the over on his passing totals, which is 270 or more passing yards. Dalton Schoen to hit the over on his receiving totals. That is 76 or more yards. And I didn't go with the yards for Nick Dembski. I went with the reception. So Dembski to catch five balls. Caleros 270 plus. Shown 76 plus for yardage and Bombers minus five and a half is at eight plus 840. So you can lock that in right now. I am putting mine in. Wow, 25 bucks pays 235 on that one. So uh, see whether we can make that happen tonight. Um, again, uh, head on over to CoolBet. Check out the exclusives. We've got a lock shop partner parlay up. We're going to sort of drop on the show tomorrow. But we're taking the underdogs with the points on the other games this week. But tonight it's about the favorites, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Uh, but there you have the lock shot partner parlay. And at the bottom is the Winnipeg Sports Talk Parlay. Check that out. Um, all right. We've had a lot of bomber talk right now, but a lot going on with the Winnipeg Jets. And uh, for the latest on the hockey team, before we head out to Nashville next week, let's welcome in Ken Weeb. On a, this is a perfect time. I think because there was rain today, this is why we're getting Ken. Because I think the Winnipeg, the uh, the Manitoba Golf Tour is in full effect. Weber, what's up, my man? How are you? Uh, it's uh, great to be with you, my man. Oh, well, hang on a second here. There let's you get go. the uh, let's get the microphone turned on. Uh, Huss, great to be with you. Beautiful day in the neighborhood. Uh, yes, the tour full swing had a. Uh, Beautiful 36-hole challenge with uh, Munzee the other day. We had the uh, Kenora Golf and Country Club and Beauty Bay. And Monday Monday road trip to Oak Island, uh, which will be hosting the Manitoba Men's Amateur, sponsored Oak by Island, your, your, your good folks at, uh, at Not Auto Corp. Dude, you want to talk about a hidden gem of oh, a golf course in yes. this province? It is Oak Island. I, I had played it uh, for the first time. I was on my way out to Country Fest to do a gig. And the guy says, oh, we always play there. I'm like, hey, I'm in. I bring my clubs. I was absolutely blown away. Dan Halderson used to be the uh, the pro there for many years. And it's sort of in an area where there are just no people. I mean, it's still a little ways away from Brandon where a lot of the people go there. So it's usually pretty wide open. I mean, how was it? Uh, I mean, uh, awesome I have shape. only great memories of that golf course. Yeah, fantastic golf course. Uh, I think designed by Les Ferber also. Yeah, I know it's, uh, it's in beautiful shape. Greens are rolling nicely. Obviously, they're going to speed them up a touch for when the top amateur men in Manitoba will be down there next month. And fairways looking lush as well. Uh, obviously we know the weather has been a little bit hit and miss at times here with the uh, massive heat and then not a whole lot of rain, but fairways were in really good shape. Um, and yeah, they, the places that needed work are getting work and of course was in awesome shape. Loved it. Had a fun round with, uh, with our pal, Tim Campbell. Uh, and a pal of his from Pine Ridge, uh, Ted Antoniak. We had a we had a really fun day, nice smooth drive, and actually hit her okay. Huss hit her How's okay. How's Tim think, doing? Yeah, Tim is doing uh, awesome, enjoying his retirement. Yes, first ever guest in the history of Hustler and Lawless. Exactly. Joined us yes. from the Masters. Speaking of golf, um, nice pull, nice pull. <laughs> All right, uh, let's get to it, Ken. Um, obviously, we want to talk about the Dubois situation, yep. what you're hearing on all the potential trades, but it's been pretty clear. Over the last uh, 72 to 48 hours, more and more smoke regarding 
Blake Wheeler's future with the Winnipeg Jets or lack thereof? What uh, what are you hearing right now? Yeah, I think uh, what I would say, Huss, uh, I think it's inching towards a, a conclusion here for sure. Uh, obviously, the uh, Mike is a story up right now at the Free Press. Uh, lots of folks have been uh, speculating and doing some reporting. Uh, I do think it makes a lot of sense. I think it's fair to say Blake is not going to be back with the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, could I say that definitively? I think we're still waiting for a domino to drop here, but I think it's a pretty fair assumption that Blake is going to be elsewhere next season. Uh, whether that's via trade at 50% retention or the buyout, I think that still is left to be determined. I don't think um, you know an announcement would be imminent. Um, I do think that it's going to be one or the other, and, and it's hard to determine, Huss, what, what's the better play here? I mean, is there even a team that is willing to take it at, uh, at 50% retention? And is that team, if they make the trade, are they taking it because they want Blake to play or are they taking it for buyout purposes? Like there's a lot of balls in the air, Huss, just basically teams that need to get to the floor. Things of that magnitude are kind of in play as well. I don't know exactly. Obviously Blake has some trade protection. So, um, you know, would he accept a trade knowing that he's going to be bought out and then he gets his own choice? I mean, like these are all things that I think are still up in the air. Uh, in terms of what direction it goes and what teams are interested. And uh, what I've been thinking, I mean, we've been thinking of potential landing spots. I think I did, maybe I think I mentioned it with you. I think the Minnesota, if, if Blake does play and he is bought out, whether it's by the Jets or with the team uh, sending him elsewhere, but if the Jets do send him elsewhere, it would, they would have to include a sweetener, right? W- what level of sweetener is being required uh, in order for that to happen. So, I mean, that that's another option the Jets may be considering also. But ultimately, uh, I think, you know, Hammy was on the other day, Huss, and said that it sounds like there had been a meeting this week and that maybe there was, you know, whether the what things were determined at that meeting or afterward, that I'm not 100% clear on. Um, what does seem to be inching closer is uh, the end of an era for a guy who gave an awful lot to this franchise. Um 12 strong seasons for Blake Wheeler. I, I mean, again, we've talked about this a lot. I mean, I think it's probably best for both parties to move on. Um, if people are being completely honest, I think last year when both sides were open to moving on, it probably would have been best to move on last year. Uh, but ultimately the decision was made to keep things going. And, you know, retention of two years is different than retention of one or a buyout of one instead of two. I mean, I understand all of those things, but you know, the thing with Blake, it was probably always going to be a messy-ish ending just based on what he's given over the course of those 12 seasons and the dynamic of him being the captain and taking over from Andrew and being such a highly productive player for so many years, uh, underpaid for a lot of that contract. Now people view him as overpaid. Like We're not here to discuss uh, what we know is that Blake earned his money during his time here, but that's neither here nor there. They're looking at taking a new direction that new direction probably needs to take place with him elsewhere and i mean i think ultimately what we know is this i mean blake has given an awful lot but it's time for him to take on a lesser role and i just i'm not sure that either the jets or blake think that him doing that here makes the most sense now i understand people would say that sounds crazy well it's okay for blake to be a third liner with the minnesota wild or the carolina hurricanes but not here well that just ignores the entire dynamic of what we've seen over the last 12 years. So uh, 
I've been thinking about this a lot. I mean, I think that no matter what happens, uh, you know, whether Blake is bought out or traded or whatever else, I think, you know, two places that make a lot of sense to me, if Blake is to continue playing, I do think his hometown Minnesota wild make a whole lot of sense. I think he'd look good on a third line beside a guy like Marcus Foligno. Uh, And the other one that I can't shake is, uh, you know, we know he has a great relationship with Paul Stastny. Paul fit in very well with Carolina, Uh, real veteran kind of presence on a, up-and-coming team i think that there's a potential that maybe he could land there and be a nice place for his family to be what about the panthers you know mo loves his veterans yeah i mean i understand that's been out there a lot and you know um i i just don't see that as a blake has a place there their family has a place in florida yeah. you know could it make sense on that front maybe um i i also just think too and i know that that relationship is strong for an awful long time but uh just based on how blake like Blake's a pretty open guy on a lot of fronts and he's, you know, closed off on several. And I just think that the, I think that those two guys are in a good place, Paul and Blake. I just don't know that. I think too, you'd be bringing a different level. You would obviously know the player, but I think the expectations of those player of that player would probably be better served in an, in an organization where you don't have someone who had to lean on him previously because he wouldn't be going to Florida to play on the second line either in all likelihood. Yeah. He'd be going to play on the third line probably with Anton Lundell. Uh, and no, there's nothing wrong with that. Sam Reinhardt did an unbelievable job. Like Sam Reinhardt, this is a second mm-hmm. overall pick mm-hmm. playing on the third line. So there's no shame in playing on a third line. It just, I think given the history, I think it probably, uh, I would expect him to go somewhere else where it would be more of a fresh start. Uh, obviously, familiarity would be important in some fronts, but I, I don't see that as a fit personally. Also, I'm not ruling it out entirely. I, I don't think that that would be the first. Uh, and there too, I, I don't think that uh, you know, money wise or whatever, I don't think Florida would be a team that would be you know eating half the salary at four million. I mean, if Blake wanted to go there for you know two million, one and a half, whatever it is, could it be a possibility? Of course, but. To me, I think the Minnesota Wild just stand out to me as the most likely landing spot just based on a number of items. I mean, Blake's a guy who's from Minnesota. I mean, they're obviously in a cap-strapped yeah, situation. Yeah, they certainly don't have the, $4 million to be thrown no, at No, they Blake don't Wheeler. have $4 million, But, I mean, the, for a guy who, you know, scored one of the biggest goals of his entire life in Excel, um, there is obviously – there would be a little bit of a tug uh, – I'll get maybe spending a no, year friends and family could watch you know watch them all the time yeah for sure and i mean the other thing too Huston, we know this i mean bill garen tried to talk dustin buffin out of retirement to play in his home state right so i mean to me uh, i would think there would be a little bit of gravitational pull over that way uh, but we also know how much winning is important to blake and i mean not to say the wild can't win i mean but they haven't been out of the first round in an awfully long time so if you're blake carolina that's why i thought about carolina i mean this is a team that you know got goalied in the conference final but has most of their pieces intact and maybe they just need one more player. You know, again, Blake is the kind of guy that could give him some great complimentary scoring uh, on a third line or, or wherever he would land. Uh, I would, that's my, that's my new sleeper uh, for Blake Wheeler. But I do think that uh, if he goes elsewhere, I think the Minnesota wild still make a whole lot of sense. And, and here's the thing. I know you talked about this with Hammy the other day too, Huss. I mean, there's going to come a time. I don't know if it's five years down the road or seven or whatever that number is. Blake's going to be celebrated as he should for what he has given. His number is probably going up to the rafters. Um, but ultimately, this team is, is again, I love the way that they described it. This is all you described it as maybe almost Jets 3.0. I don't think the Jets get to the 3.0 version yeah. uh, until Shifley and Wheeler move on. Yeah, no, I mean, that's exactly what uh, I've been saying, and I and I, I believe that in. 
you know, listen, I, I did spend a lot of time. I mean, I, I'm a positive guy. I focused on what Blake has done for this team. And, I mean, he's right up there at the top of everything. Games played, goals, assists. Yeah. Um, you know, his contributions have been important. But I and, – and, and listen, I had a lot of fun, good things to say. I was really wondering how last season was going to go. I mean, when sure. he lost this, he lost the captaincy and he took a little bit of a backseat role, at least publicly – Played hard as he always did and put together 55 points and, you know, had an overall pretty good season. But to me, Ken, when when I think I, I at least thought that, okay, this was over and maybe look back and think that, you know, in retrospect, Monday morning quarterbacking, a mistake was made and not doing it last year um, was in those final end of season um, uh, interviews with the with the media. We were both there. I mean, yep. Blake Wheeler led the charge. I mean, like the quote, I still can't. <laughs> I mean, he said, I didn't appreciate the way Rick handled himself afterwards. I mean, that that to me at that point, I don't know how you come back from that. And then he also said very clearly that, you know, hey, he thought that they had a chance to win here uh, because he would have never re-signed here if that wasn't the case. And, you know, like it, it really did seem like, okay, They've been through a lot together, but maybe this is the best time to break up. And um, from the sounds of it, we're uh, inching closer to uh, some sort of clarity on that, I would imagine, before the 30th of the month. Yeah, for sure. And uh, yeah, I I didn't particularly like that uh, uh, ending at the podium either, Huss. I mean, I I do think it's important. He said that. Blake himself did say that it was something they could get past. Uh, I think that that's something that is occasionally glossed over is not the right term, but I mean, it's not the thing that sticks with most people, but he did say that. But I mean, ultimately, yeah, the way that that ended was, was poor. I mean, um, for a team that had expectations and for all the talk about, Oh, Hey, the jets best matchup in round one is Vegas because of the questions and goal. Um, yeah. I mean, the fact that they weren't more upset about, being eliminated i think that they weren't didn't you know we know they were upset about being eliminated but that there was more of an expression of uh, hurt feelings than 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 being sour about being knocked out where they had this opportunity i think that that's pretty fair to say um i, I appreciate the, the fact that blake was open with the, at the start of last year when the captaincy was removed that they looked at maybe some alternatives but i mean at the end of the day um yeah i, I just think that it's time us this has been a great relationship for the two sides, but I wouldn't say they're irreconcilable differences, but I would just say that it, both parties are, are probably in a position where it's time to move on. And, and like you said, that time, the perfect time for that was probably last summer, but there were extenuating circumstances uh, when it came to the financials and teams coming out of COVID and, and all, and all of those things. So uh, ultimately we come to the same conclusion though. It, it's time for, um, separation divorce whatever you want to call it and hey let's not forget i mean Vinny lecavalier is one of the best players in the history of the tampa bay lightning i I think he was also bought out right so it's not like a a scarlet letter to be bought out lots of lots of highly productive players um ultimately were bought out and you know it's not like the the, the, the difference about this though is he's still productive he was productive last year. Of course um, he was. And again, like, yeah. I, like, I, listen, I, we don't need to, to dwell on this. Everyone knows why this is happening. Everything knows that this team needs to move on to a new generation of leadership right. and, and, a, and the locker room. Um, well, at some point, someone will write the book on the last number of years, <laughs> and I'm sure it'll be pretty juicy, and there'll be some wild stuff for all of us. But right now, 
as far as this team goes forward, there's big changes that need to happen. This is certainly one of them internally, but Ken, the biggest changes right now are still in limbo. Pierre-Luc Dubois, yep. Connor Hellebuck, and Mark Schleife. Let's talk with Dubois. Um, this has been a bit of a quieter week, I, I, I would say. And maybe, correct me if I'm wrong, if you've been hearing a bunch of other things. We do know that the LA Kings are certainly very much in the mix. The Montreal Canadiens continue to be a destination that have long been rumored as to where people expect him to hang up. We've heard other insiders say that there's actually a number of other teams kicking around. I mean, what's your latest uh, take on the options, I guess, for Kevin Sheveldayoff when it comes to moving a player that has said he ain't coming back? Yeah, I mean, this is kind of often how things go. You have the, you know, initial either leaks or, you know, good, awesome reporting on some fronts as well on a number of fronts. But once things start to get closer, that's when things usually get quieter, right? There's usually, a, oh, hey, this is maybe on the on in the hopper. And then all of a sudden, until it gets done, like most people prefer to conduct their business outside of the media, which sucks for us in the media who are trying <laughs> to uncover the stories themselves. Uh, but how I would describe it is this. I, I don't, I would think that once people get to Nashville next week on probably Monday for the awards and you're getting there for the day before when you're having your draft meetings. Now, do I think there was some chatter at the combine when the GMs were situated there? Most of them. Yes, of course. Of course, there's going to be general conversations and some of them would have got particular and serious, but what happens is these things kind of heat up as we get closer. And, you know, we're always looking to try to connect the dots. And because Truba was traded on a Monday before the Friday draft, we're thinking maybe the Jets would like to make another preemptive strike. And and it's entirely possible that they do that. But I don't think that we're on the verge of a deal happening. Uh, I do think that some teams have expressed interest. But, us, it's complicated, right? It's complicated uh, because... A, is Dubois going to do the sign-and-trade and and take an eight-year deal, and what is that going to cost? B, is the team going to be interested in giving up the assets required to get the player? Or C, is there another team that comes in and swoops in and gets them that hasn't been in the media yet, like the Paul Stastny deal? Or or this would be the inverse of the Paul Stastny, where nobody expected him to be available. Now everyone knows that Dubois is available, but we don't know who's willing to pony up, if you will, and pay the freight on both fronts. So uh, do I think it's just LA and Montreal? No. I mean, we have capable reporters all around the league, including Darren Dreger, who we both know well, have said that it's more than just those two teams. And just like Elliot and Jeff have reported that it's a broader group of five or six. So, I mean, how many of those five or six are really serious? Huss? That that we don't know, right? That's all part of the that's all part of the part of the game. I mean, uh, is there a team that's trying to make it look like they're interested when they're really not? Well, it, it's the draft. So the draft is coming, which means people are trying to send smoke screens and divert attention elsewhere and and things like that. And much like we're going to get talking about here with the goaltending market, I wouldn't say the goaltending market is flooded, but there are some quality players available in the goalie trade market like John Gibson. So it's similar in the center market. If Calgary isn't able to get an extension with Lindholm, well, hey, there's another $8 million centerman that is going to be available. And now if you're Boston, now you're looking at, well, do I pull the trigger now on Dubois or Shifley when Lindholm might be their preferred target? And again, I'm not saying, I'm just speaking in hypotheticals here, but we know there's been a link to Boston Lindholm in the past dating back to his draft year. So 
you have to decide what type of player that you're looking for. A, what how the contract situation is going to fit. And then you're going to have to find the terms of the, of the trades that are, is going to work. So it's much like, you know, you're talking about this with Jeff also. I mean, if you're LA, all three players would be a player of interest. But what is one of them going to cost you compared to the other? And what's the other one of any of the three going to cost you long term in terms of their contract? And what's the difference in the package that's being asked for by the Jets for each one of those players? So those are all determining factors. All to say, I think that once we get, uh, and I'm not saying nothing will happen before the weekend has, it certainly could be possible. Uh, but I expect like normal, most of these things, we in the media build them up. We know there's a deadline, a quote unquote soft deadline with the draft coming up. If the Jets want part of those packages to be first round picks, well, yes, then Wednesday is a deadline of sorts because there are only first round picks in the 2023 well, and, draft and here's the thing on Wednesday. I, I would say this for Shevel Dayoff. I think it's actually a little bit earlier than Wednesday. Oh, agreed. Because it's too late if you're waiting. I mean, we're not just talking about one particular player and needing clarity on that. I mean, what they do with Dubois, I think affects what they do with Hellebuck and what they do with both of those players. Sure. Affects what they do on Shifley. The one weird thing, I guess, from my perspective is Ken, there's been so much talk about Dubois, uh, which I'm not surprised about. Tons of talk about Hellebuck. Almost crickets about Mark Shifley. And, and and listen, I'm not sure that that characterizes the interest or the level of negotiations or what's been talked about. But certainly when you hear the most connected guys in the business talking about the Winnipeg Jets, they're talking about Dubois, then they're talking about Hellebuck, and they might mention Mark Shifley at some point, but it's certainly he seems to be a, a, a distant third when it comes to at least reported interest from around the league up, at, up until this point. Yeah, I would say that that doesn't necessarily mean that there's no interest. I mean, I would think that a couple things. Point-per-game players for six seasons prior to last year are, are not in abundance, Huss, and neither are 42-goal scorers. So I would say that if the Jets get to the point where they're going to move Mark, which we both think that they are at some point, and I think it'll be sooner than later, uh, there is going to be interest. But this is the part of the steering contest or the game of chicken where not a lot of teams want to show their cards, right? So I, I think it's more a matter of that. Uh, I do think that once those, like I said, once teams get to Nashville, and we know that the draft is a massive priority for these teams also, but also are filling, if the Jets are going to need to fill their top two center spots, we know that has to happen at some point here uh, between now and July 2nd. Now, it doesn't have to be done by that time, but uh, the Jets would be well advised to do so, right? I mean, you don't want to, you know, you know that yes, they have Shifley and Hellbuck under contract. And is there a world where those guys could start the season with the Jets? Absolutely, there is. Now, what the percentage on the cool bet lines would be for that, I don't think it would be at 50% or higher. Uh, but at the same time, we don't know what the offers are. And without knowing what the offers are, uh, again, and I, and I, and I, I don't like to disagree with you, Huss, because we agree on a lot of things, but I don't think that Shevel Dayoff has the Kings offer in the top drawer and he's trying to, to bid up the other teams. I don't think they've made their best offer yet, quite frankly. Um, and until they do, we're not going to have any movement, which which is what makes it even more challenging and important for Shevel Dayoff to get the dominoes going 
in that direction. Yeah, I don't disagree with go. what you're saying. I mean, listen, I think there's probably been some framework of what is on sure. the table right now. And the bottom line is it hasn't been good enough to get Chevy to pull the trigger. And you know, and as you get closer to that date, I mean, a good thing is to have more individuals involved with it that might no actually press somebody else to go and get closer to what it is. But we've seen Chevrolet operate like this before. I mean, sometimes these deals take weeks and months to actually come to fruition. I mean, it could be a chance meeting at a game in a press box, you know, a few months ago where a player was mentioned and then, you know, you hear how things came together. Bottom line is though, I think there still is a lot more work to be done on all of these, but it certainly seems from just from my uh, uh, observations that Dubois and Hellebach are getting most of the attention oh, yeah. right now. Um, but but the more I think about this, Ken, and hang on one sec, Hus, yeah. I don't want to interrupt, but here, so when when things are quiet, what teams do you think of, and what team is Mark's favorite team growing up, and who is his favorite player? You know what team operates very low under the radar and doesn't like to have its trade uh, targets known in the media? The winged wheel? Indeed. So like I said, this is not necessarily A plus B equals C, <laughs> but you can't discount the possibility of that being an option. And hey, Steve Eiserman made an investment in Mark Shifley's old roommate and very close friend last year. So and I'm not saying that uh, Steve is calling Andrew for advice, but what I would say is that if the Red Wings are interested in maybe moving said player to the wing in order to bring in someone like uh, Mark Shifley, who maybe wants to take the Iserman path, uh, I wouldn't rule that out as a possibility either, even though there hasn't been a whole lot of buzz uh, in the rumor mill around him. I would still think that that's very much a real possibility. Now, again, too, and, and also has to, it's, it's different places, right? To me, I don't think the Minnesota Wild are a great fit uh, for Mark Shifley, as was suggested by our, our, you know, our friends at ESPN and uh, maybe discussed on some podcasts elsewhere. But there are going to be teams, like a lot of teams need what Mark Shifley brings to the table in a top two center role and being a productive player. And then there's also the teams that you wouldn't expect that that maybe come out of the woodwork. And there I would say, now, what about a place like Tampa? Now, as I know we've spent the last few years saying that, oh, Mark Shifley is trying to make up for lost money. But what if he wants to play for you know, John Cooper in a income tax free state. And, you know, they've got a team that's aging a little bit, but they're also looking for more production. I mean, he used to train with Steven Stamkos with Gary Roberts. I mean, who, who knows? Like those are the kind of teams that, you know, when we looked at the deadline last year, Huss, you and I weren't thinking that lightning were going after Tanner Janot, right? You know, maybe Shifley fits their criteria somehow. I mean, <laughs> Shifley's uh, about as opposite of a player as Tanner. Oh, no, yes, no, no, and that's what I just mean in terms of going under the radar for getting a player you weren't yeah. expecting. I guess so. Well, then uh, just let me. I just the reason why I bring this up is because I mean I know we all expect, and I've been one that said I don't think Mark Shifley's starting next year with the Winnipeg right. Jets. But if Same the here. interest isn't there, if the if the offer isn't there. I don't think the Winnipeg Jets trade him for 50 cents on the dollar no. just because. This is a little different situation than Blake Wheeler. He's still too much of an asset with that contract to let go for nothing. Um, as bad as the end of the season was last year with Rick Bonus, if Mark came back next year fully knowing that he's likely traded at some point this season or at worst-case scenario for him at the deadline, I do wonder how that might be able to work in that 
you know, he's playing for a contract next year. I mean, he cannot afford to have a bad season. He can't afford to have his reputation solid. He needs to go in and be professional, if anything else, and try and do his best to help his team win and increase his own situation at the same time. Do I think that's the best case for all involved? No. But could that be a possibility if that offer isn't what the Winnipeg Jets need to make it? I don't entirely rule it out. However, I would say it's 99.9% sure that on the day after the trade deadline next year, Mark Scheifele is not going to be getting paid by the Winnipeg Jets. Yeah, so, and that's the other part. I mean, it's just how deep we've been we've been discussing and debating this for three months now. Like, how deep are you willing for the cuts to be if you're mm-hmm. Kevin Shevel day off and, and does starting the year with only needing to fill one top six center role uh, does, is that more appealing than it is to fill two? I mean, that is all determined by the level of offer that you're getting. Um, if you're looking to break free, like all the things we've talked about, I mean, if you're looking for a fresh start and everything else, I mean, sure, it makes more sense to move both out. But, I mean, it's not like Mark just quit in the second half. I mean, did he have a couple of moments that he probably regrets? Sure. But, I mean, he was still played hard for the most part. And, we can't also ignore the first half that he had under Rick Bonus, where the effort was certainly uh, there a lot, and so was the production. I mean, um, what do you he, think happened to him last year? Because you're exactly right; he was awesome at the start, and I'm like, I mean, literally, the vibes couldn't have been higher mm-hmm. about this team, about Mark. He said all those right things. He looked like, I mean, you want to talk about a guy doing a 180 in the midst of one season, and who knows why. But that was last year with Shifley because, I mean, you know, okay, we won't use the word quit, but, I mean, you want to talk about a guy that was just completely on a different page than his head coach and the majority of his team? That was him after he got benched. Yeah, I mean, that that, that certainly, that, and that's the other thing. I mean, we always, we always hear fans say, oh, you should healthy scratch that guy and you should sit him longer. I mean, ultimately coaches need those players to perform and sometimes they don't respond in the manner that the coach or the (laughs) fan base would like. And, and that's a great example of it uh, where Mark's game definitely went South after that game in Carolina. And I mean, you could even make the argument that the benching had, had, you know, him and Kyle Connor were both struggling on that night. Right. So, uh, but Kyle kind of found a way to, keep himself productive whereas mark's game kind of dipped dramatically from there and and yeah then all the talk about mark he got moved telling, to the wing Huss, what did mark say at the day one of training camp i want to be coached well he was coached in that situation but he didn't like the way he was coached then and then he didn't respond the way the coach was looking for either and and then you had coach and player kind of at loggerheads i guess right so again Mark's, you know, 30 years old now. So I just think it's this is not blaming one or one or the other or one side or the other. I, I just think that this relationship, again, is I think it's run its course. I think Mark is at a situation in his life where he needs to see what it's like elsewhere. And, you know, does that mean he, he transforms into a completely different player? I don't think he has to, you know, become a completely different player. Does he need to... Uh, be going two ways all the time? Yes. And I mean, Rick Bonus wanted that from him. Like, Rod Brindamore would want that out of him. So would Todd McClellan or Jim Montgomery, all of those guys. Um, but, you know, at, at the same time, I mean, you don't see a ton of 
you know, evolution or transformations of players in their 30s. That's not to say that he can't be a productive player for a long time. And I do think that under the right circumstances and, you know, getting pushed by someone, um, you know, I think that Mark can still be a very productive player for a long time, but I, I don't think he's going to be making $9 million on his next deal, uh, on a long-term deal. And I think, honestly, it, it, this might be the most important year of Mark Scheife's career, whether he signs an extension on a sign-and-trade or not, because I think most teams that are going to invest in Mark, they know he can be a point producer. They want to know if he can help them win a championship. Yeah, And that's what those teams are going to be investing in when it comes to Mark. And honestly, Mark is a hard worker. He loves hockey. So I think he needs to get into a different environment. And I think he needs to go somewhere that has an incredibly strong leadership core. And I think Mark is going to do just fine in the next job. And I also think, like I've said this before on this show, us, Mark's going to get to a situation in his next stop and think, man, I had a pretty good in Winnipeg, much like Dale did. Um, so to me, I mean, it's it's definitely, I don't see Mark with the Jets next year. I don't think it'll be at the start of the year. It's, yeah, you have to leave open a possibility for it, but I think he's going to be on the way out. And and I think it'll be good for him personally as well. Um, Mark's seen a lot of his best friends move in the last couple of years via trade or free agency. And, you know, yeah. sometimes the grass isn't always greener, but uh, I just think he's got to get to a point where, you know, we know what he wants to get out of life. He's shown he can be a point producer and, Ultimately, Mark wants to get his name on that silver trophy that the Vegas Golden Knights just got on. And uh, now it's up to him to take the next steps in his career. And and the contract stuff is going to take care of itself. I mean, even if he had a dip in production, us, like he's got a long, long resume of goals and assists. I mean, he can produce uh, at a high level for a long time. And I know teams would be leery in your mid-30s. Mark takes care of himself. He's, he's going to be a productive player into his mid-30s. Ultimately, he needs to go to a situation where, you know, it doesn't have to be $9 million. He has to go somewhere where he can be a key contributor. Yeah, he's going to prove some things outside of scoring points, For I sure. think, with a new team. And that's how things will go. Kenny, we got to run. Um, I hope that um, <laughs> we've got some, uh, maybe, maybe a little bit of extra K uh, Kenny time next week. We'll see. Oh, it yeah, should we... be a big week. And uh, uh, I know you've always been kind to uh, jump on when some things happen. So, uh we may be picking up the bat phone at some point before our usual uh, our usual time. Thanks very much for doing this, buddy. Yeah, my pleasure. And uh, like I said, I apologize. I will be missing out on the uh, beverage or two at Tootsie's with uh, with the crew that will be down there. But I uh, know you'll be enjoying uh, Music City, and we'll look forward to reporting on some exciting news uh, in the next and coming days. Yeah, it should that. be great. Thanks, Weaver. There's Cheers, Weaver. Uh, and of course, you can uh, follow him on Twitter at Weaves World and check out his work on the uh, Jets and much more National Hockey League at sportsnet.ca. Um, all right, we've got another great guest. Speaking of that draft coming up right away, don't forget Bomber game tonight, 7.30 kickoff. And that means the Princess Auto tailgate zone gets going just outside the stadium at 5.30 p.m., 3.50 hot dogs and pop, $5 beers, DJ Finesse spinning. It is the place to be before the game. And... Uh, Obviously, the uh, OB crew with uh, DT, Doug Brown, and the gang will be doing their pregame show there as well. So pop by and say hi. Princess Auto, proud sponsors of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And, of course, your boys, boys here at Winnipeg Sports Talk. Um, the gang consolidated supply ready and busy right now as we get into summer. Leaders in irrigation systems, artificial turf and golf carts, 
with other great options for your property, including hot tubs and amazing outdoor kitchen options, not to mention the leaders in small engine parts and repair. Consolidated Supply has so many things for you. You need to pop by and see them in person at their showroom, open to the public, 1395 Niaqua Road East, or find out more online at cte.ca. And I know I mentioned this yesterday on the program, but uh, the big Winnipeg goalie extravaganza is happening this Saturday from noon to 4 p.m. Brought to you by Royal Sports over at the Scotiabank Hockey for All Center, Iceplex, out 3969 Portage. You'll be able to come out and try out next year's gear for free. Uh, lots of demo gear to try out with pro, senior, intermediate, and junior gear. An expert on ice instruction by the Ice Lab staff featuring True, Warrior, Vaughn, CCM, and Bauer. This event hasn't happened the last couple of years because of COVID. It is back. Royal Sports presents the Winnipeg Goalie Extravaganza Saturday from noon to four, if you've got a goalie in the family or R1, do not miss it. And hey, just before we bring in Adam Kimmelman, huge game tonight. If you're not able to make it out to the game, next best place is uh, to get together with friends to watch it is your local Boston pizza, ice cold schooners, world famous BP wings, gourmet pizzas, and the big game on the big screen with big sound. No, we're better to do it. But hey, if you are staying in and can't make it out, you can always order online and get the great taste of BP delivered at home at bostonpizza.com. All right, let's uh, look ahead to our trip to Nashville next week. And while we're talking about potential player movement and trades with the Winnipeg Jets, a lot of intrigue about this draft class of 2023. And always a pleasure to welcome in Adam Kimmelman, the deputy managing editor of NHL.com to the program. Adam, what's going on? Thanks so much for doing this. Oh, my pleasure. It's always good to come on and talk <laughs> to sports with you guys. Hey, you know what? Before we get to the draft in itself, um, we, of course, obsess about the Winnipeg Jets 24-7 here because they are our team. I mean, you're far away from the market. I'm interested in your perspective on this Jets offseason and what you're hearing about potential moves of some pretty big name players in the NHL out of Winnipeg right now. Well, you know, I've kind of seen all that's going on in market about Blake Wheeler and what his future could be. And I, I was able to listen a little bit of, of Kenny Weeby and, and he covers a great, he does a great job covering the, the Jets out there and, and what Mark Shifley's future could be. You know, it's going to be interesting because you look at the talent they have there and you wonder, you know, I think you look at what happened with Paul Maurice in Florida, right? He says, I just can't get through to these guys anymore. I'm done with hockey. He leaves. He goes to Florida, and he's in the Stanley Cup final at the Florida Panthers. You know, Rick Bonus has – Dave Lowry has some issues. Rick Bonus has issues there. You know, maybe they do need a, a little bit of a culture change. Maybe they do need a little bit of, of some roster retooling there. It's going to be really interesting to see what the approach is. You know, and again, I say this from two time zones away, you know, not having any sort of inside knowledge about what might happen, but just from my perspective, it looks like, you know, you wonder, you have to wonder what's going on behind closed doors that has led them to this point. Yeah. Well, uh, it seems like they've figured that out and that's part of the reason why so many of these moves are going to be made. I can't remember, you know, we've been talking about this for the last little while. I mean, the last time, and maybe you could even include other sports where you had the potential of an off season where so many established star players may be out at one point. Um, it certainly made Kevin Chevaldeoff in his situation one of the most interesting things to watch heading into Nashville next week. 
Well, I, I think you wonder, you go back, um, I guess, it, it didn't happen in, in rapid-fire succession, but you look at what the Buffalo Sabres did a couple of years ago, trading Sam Reinhart, trading Rasmus Ristolainen, and trading Jack Eichel, sort of you know, excised that core group and sort of rebuilt it around younger players, you know, uh, talks, talk and, and Krebs and, and all the draft picks that they got, you know, Owen Power comes in, Rasmus Dahlin's able to sort of establish himself as a legit number one guy now that he's a little bit older, a little bit more experienced. And you wonder, could that be something along the lines of what Winnipeg needs? Maybe something of that mindset where you maybe take a step back to two years from now, take two steps forward. I, I don't know. I don't know what the mindset there is for Kevin Shoveldayoff and his group out there in Winnipeg, but it's going to be definitely something interesting to watch uh, as we head to Nashville. No doubt about it. Adam Kimmelman with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Adam, uh, in addition to your duties uh, editing NHL.com, you're the host of the NHL Draft Class podcast. And, uh, I mean, we've spent a lot of time talking with scouts and uh, folks. I, the one consensus for this draft is you've got a, I mean, an all-time prospect, one of them in Connor Bedard at the top of the list, but the top of the draft has some incredible talent. A number of players that were they born in a different draft year might be going number one themselves. Yeah, I think when you, in a non-Bedard year, I think we're talking about Adam Fantilli is the no doubt about it, number one pick in this draft. You know, the the mix of the size, the skill, the the willingness to play physical, you know, he has the one thing that Bedard won't ever have, and that's a six foot two, hundred and ninety pound frame that's probably going to be closer to two hundred pounds when he's ready to get into the NHL. So those that guy in a normal year would be the no doubt about it number one. Leo Carlson has the look of being a foundational number one center, a guy who he might not ever rip you out of your seat with his skill set, but everything he does, he does well. I, I think you see a little bit of flashes of Alexander Barkov in his game just the way he's able to touch power play, penalty kill, five on five. He can play center. He can play the wing. He certainly showed that, you know, at World Juniors when he excelled on the wing on top line for Sweden. He also played in the center at the, at the World Championship. So he wants to play center. He says he's going to play center next season and talk to his coach in Arebro, uh, Johan Hedberg, and Johan Hedberg says he's a center for him. So we'll see how that goes moving forward. But he's a guy who absolutely looks like a, a future star. Will Smith from the U.S. national team program, just an electric player. Uh, Matt Vemichkov, the 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 Russian star, just skill-wise, might be right there with Bedard as far as pure raw skill in this year's draft. Obviously, there are some questions that you know are are out of his control. He's going to be in Nashville. I think he even might be in Nashville, you know, within the next day or two. Um, he's going to meet with teams while he's in Nashville, and this will go be really the first time. NHL decision makers are going to get to meet him in person because the last time any of us have seen uh, Matt Vemichkov play in any sort of big major way was at the 21 World Under-18s in Dallas. It's a long time ago, but he did lead that tournament in scoring. More points, more goals than Connor Bedard. So there's something to be said for that. And, you know, he he's played with and against men this season in the KHL, and he looked like a star there. And whenever he is able to come to the NHL, whether it's three years, four years from now, he looks like a guy who's got huge, huge NHL upside. You know, Adam, I'm glad you brought up Mitchkov because I wanted to specifically ask you about him because as it, listen, talent-wise, he's right up there with the best prospects we've seen, you know, over the course of the last decade. I mean, obviously there's a McDavid, but I mean, he was in that conversation with Bedard up until everything's happened. But the intrigue about Mitchkov, 
how long he'll be in Russia, teams that he would be into or not into playing, all the geopolitical things that happen now when you're tying it in with the Russian player. This might be the most intriguing prospect with so many questions that aren't yet answered than we've seen in forever. To me, he is the most interesting player coming into this draft because of all the unknowns, because of the things you mentioned. You know, the contract he has with SKA St. Petersburg, which runs through the 25-26 season, all the the geopolitical issues pertaining to Russia. You know, you haven't seen him at World Juniors. You haven't seen him at World Championship. You know, you haven't been able to measure him against the best and the best of his age group. And and that's not to take anything away from the KHL, but when you're it's different when you're playing in that high pressure international type atmosphere. You know, we, we've all been around world juniors. We've all been around that atmosphere and, and what that does and how much that how meaningful those games are. It's not the entire decision maker, but it really has a big piece. It's a big ingredient to how you're judging these guys. So not being able to see that with Mitchkov is big. Not having eyes on him Really, because not every team has a dedicated KHL scout, a dedicated Russia scout, where they can go in and see him in person. You're doing a lot off video. So whatever degree of of usefulness you find from video scouting, and it varies amongst the the scouting community, that's really all you have to judge him on. And you kind of have to do your real, you really have to do your homework on him. And we spoke to to Brent Flair this morning, uh, the amateur scouting director for the Philadelphia Flyers. You know, you talk to people around him. You talk to his teammates, his coaches, the people who know him best. You do your best to learn everything you can about this young man before, since you don't have the chance to meet him, you do your homework. You make as many phone calls as you have to make. You try to get as much of a background on him as you can. So when you do meet him, you you kind of go in with a little bit of knowledge of, of who he could be and who he might be. And then you make your decision after that. Adam Kimmelman of NHL.com with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Looking ahead to the draft, Winnipeg Sports Talk at the NHL Draft, presented by Cool Bet Shows, beginning Monday from Music City. Do not miss it. Make sure to hit that red subscribe button and join us daily. Adam, it's been pretty clear that from talking to scouts, there is a there's one, and then there's a bit of a gap, and then you've got those two through five prospects. How big of a gap is there, in your opinion, or is there between the fifth selection, and then the group of players that will start hearing their names called at six and below. I think the farther you go, the finer the details become that separate these guys when you, whether it's, um, you know, the guy, the, the, the couple of guys from the U.S. national team program, Ryan Leonard, Gabe Perot, Oliver Moore, whether it's, you know, Colby Barlow from Owen Sound, Dvorsky, Matt Wood, you know, the defensemen, Ryan Bacher and Sandine Palika and Willander. You know, all these guys have the look of being really significant NHL players, guys who can be foundational players for their team. This is one of the deeper drafts I can remember in very recent history. Maybe, you know, right up there with the 2015 group, you know, the 2019 group was very good. You know, I, I think we're sort of in that category of having, you know, if we have this conversation five years from now. I think we're talking about guys who have been multi-time all-stars, I think we're talking about guys who look like foundational pieces for their NHL team. So there's a, you know, that group of guys that could go from, say, 5 to 25 or 6 to 25, there's a lot of talent in there. And the order is going to be completely unpredictable. You could ask five scouts and maybe get five different answers. Um, what are you hearing about two players with the Manitoba ties from their teams last year? Zach Benson from the dearly departed Winnipeg Ice and uh, Nate Danielson from the Wheaties down the highway. 
Well, I, I talked to Marty Murray, who took over as a coach in Brandon, and his opinion of Nate Danielson is he had 80 points kind of carrying a team by himself. He didn't have a lot of guys, little didn't have a lot of talent around him. And if you put, you know, better players around him, would we be talking about a hundred point season for Nate Danielson with all the 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 size and the strength and the two hundred foot game? You know, he sort of you know, we got more opportunities to play offensively. And he went from being this, you know, maybe a third round, you know, checking line center to being a guy who can be a major offensive contributor for you. He got that opportunity with extended ice time in Brandon, and he's going to get more of it next season. So teams really like what they saw in the second half of the season from him. With Zach Benson, you know, the the only question is, can he get strong enough to have that, you know, the, the skill sets are phenomenal. The, the head for the game, the offensive ability, the puck hound, you know, there's a lot to like about Zach Benson. The question is, can he be strong enough to play that game at the NHL level? Because the, he isn't the quickest skater in the world. Um, he, he will have to get a little bit faster. But if he can get stronger with that dynamic offensive skill set that he has, he's a guy that could be an outstanding NHL player. But there is a little bit of, of projection, and, and I don't want to say hope because that's probably not the right word, but you have to really put some faith in the fact that he's going to be able to get stronger put on weight and hold that weight to play at his size and at the, at the NHL level. Uh, Adam, before we go right around this time for people like you that are so involved in the draft and speak with so many people in scouting, uh, I'm always interested to know of the guys that have got a lot of steam heading into the draft. Is there a player or two from your conversations that seemingly had their draft stock rise considerably, you know, basically over the last half of the season. Um, but more and more people are talking about them and we're seeing their names get higher and higher as the mocks come out. Well, I, I think, well, there's two guys. I think one guy is Tom Willander, the defenseman from Roglin the, in the, in Sweden. Um, there wasn't a lot of hype around him. And if you watch his game, maybe there isn't the most flash because certainly compared to Sandine Pelika, who was an offensive dynamo, but the more you watch Willander, the more you see this kid does everything really well. And I'm really, you know, you get to meet him and he's a very intelligent young man, very smart, understands what's going to make him a better player. And in his case, that's going to Boston university in the fall. You know, he had the chance to play, with the big club in Rogla, with the you know in the SHL, and and he said you know long yeah a little short term glory, but in the long term it was better for him to go overseas to come over to North America to play for BU. He'll get all the time he needs, all the time in the gym to develop that he needs. So he's going to be an interesting case. He could go anywhere in that group from nine to to twenty. Um, the other guy is Danny Nelson from the U.S. National Team program. You know it's interesting on our NHL draft class show we had Pat Cullen on from Central Scouting. And he talked about Danny Nelson as being a guy that he's a forward um, for the national team program, was our third-line center. But until he got to the national team program, he was a defenseman. And he was really good as a defenseman. And at six foot four and, 200 and I think 210 pounds, he certainly has the build to be an NHL defenseman, the athleticism, the skating ability. So it's going to be really interesting to see what teams think of him. You know, he's going to go to Notre Dame, said he wants to play forward, said he wants to play center. So we'll see if that works. But you know, I, I remember talking to Brian Burke and he said at the draft in 2008, you know, they were looking at Jake Gardner. Jake Gardner was a defenseman, but Jake Gardner had played forward all through high school. And Berkey said, you know, we're going to draft him as a defenseman. If it doesn't work, we you know, we think he can play forward at the NHL level. So either way, it works for us. And that's, you know, and Jake Gardner went on to have a really nice NHL career. 
Danny Nelson could be a guy in the same boat where if he doesn't, you know, play the way they want him to play at, at, at forward, can slide him back to defense and maybe get a pretty good player out of it. Adam, this has been a great chat. Thanks so much for doing this. And then maybe we'll catch up with you next week. Uh, fill us in and uh, fill fans in on what NHL.com has uh, surrounding one of the biggest weeks of the year. Well, we have wall-to-wall coverage on NHL.com. Um, we're going to have our mock draft. We're going to have one more final mock draft, myself and Mike Morial coming out. Uh, I believe that's going to be on Sunday or Monday. So look for that. Um, all of our draft stories are available on NHL.com. We have the NHL Draft Class podcast. We've already had shows with Connor Bedard, Adam Fantilli, Will Smith, Leo Carlson, all the great minds from NHL Central Scouting with more to come. So definitely NHL Draft Class is available anywhere you get your podcasts and a lot of fun stuff coming. So if you want the best, I'm a little biased, I'll admit it, but the best draft coverage is at NHL.com. Listen, can't get enough of it and not really looking forward to what should be a huge week, certainly for the Jets off the ice and very interesting week when it comes to uh, such a highly touted draft class that uh, young men will be hearing their names in Nashville on Wednesday and on Thursday. Thanks for doing this, Adam. Have a great weekend and uh, before a big week for the league. Yep. See you in Nashville. It'll be fun. Everybody <laughs> tune in. Good stuff. There is Adam Kimmelman. You can uh, give him a follow on Twitter at NHL Adam K. And of course, NHL.com. I don't need to tell you all where that is, but a great draft podcast as well as he mentioned the NHL draft class. And uh, if you are uh, someone that wants to really do a deep dive over the weekend, getting ready for a big week, hell of a place to do it. Um, great stuff with Adam. Uh, all right, listen, I'm going to get Remus back in here in a minute. Uh, looking forward though, tonight to head to this football game. And uh, don't forget Little Brown Jug is now an official partner of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, and you'll be able to get your hands on a delicious ice-cold 1919 at the Bomber game tonight. You're just going to have to know where to find it. I'm here to tell you. Uh, the poutinery locations, as well as the hometown concession stands, uh, there's a couple options on both sides of the lower bowl and the upper bowl. So uh, if you're looking for the best in ice-cold local beer, you know it's Little Brown Jug and their flagship brand, 1919, now available at IG Field. Of course, if you're going to the ball game tonight for the Winnipeg Gold Eyes, 1919, and my personal favorite, generic lager available. And uh, heck, it's all available if you head over there on Saturday for What's Golden, their new weekly pop-up series teaming up with the Shorty's Kitchen with new food, new DJs on the LBJ patio every Saturday from noon until sunset. Uh, check it out on Saturday, beginning at noon over at Little Brown Jug. And not always a great spot to go to try all those amazing Little Brown Jug beers. Uh, big shout out to our friends at Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge. Cannot wait to get out there coming up in August. If you're looking for a world-class fishing experience where you can make the drive, the flight, and you'll be on the water in less than two hours from the city of Winnipeg, Aikens Lake is the spot. And as great as the world-class fishing is, there's nothing like the hospitality and the Aikens experience. Find out more, AikensLake.com and on Twitter, at Aikens Lake with our good pal, Pitt Turen. Um, as I mentioned, the Gold Eyes, they're struggling right now. Can't seem to find a win over the last little bit. But I'll tell you what, uh, it's still going to be a great weekend out at the ballpark with a couple more series coming up for Winnipeg Gold Eyes. You can find out tickets at, online at goldeyes.com. Group events. We're going to be doing a group event. We're just kind of figuring out a day, um, midweek, 
to get all the WS tiers together. We'll have a special ticket price. You'll be able to get them on the site. So stay tuned for that. But in the meantime, get on down there, eat all that great food, enjoy 100% local beer selection. And of course, uh, you can sit down on the left field line down at Craft Beer Corner. I like to spend a few innings and get those grace ice cold on taps as well from Winnipeg's favorite local breweries. Uh, and just before we bring in Remo, uh, let's do a quick golf check for our friends at Breezy Bend Country Club. If you're thinking about a great long-term home for you and your family, get on the waiting list for the 2024 season at Breezy Bend by getting in touch with our pal Corey Johnson over at the golf course. You can find out more online at breezybend.ca. Well, it's the Travelers this week, and it's an elevated event at TPC Rivers Highlands. So uh, a heck of a I mean, basically the best field they've ever had for this tournament. Keegan Bradley, red hot, coming out of the gate. A eight under 62. Got a two-shot lead on Shane Lowry and Ches Reavy. Ches Reavy actually won this tournament a few years back. Kevin Streelman, uh, Patrick Cantlay at five under par as well. Cam Davis, Sung J M, Danny McCarthy. Just going to go down and see where our first top Canadian is. Rory McIlroy's three under, by the way, through 11 right now. Geez, our Canadians have not done too well. I got to go all the way down to Corey Connors at minus one. Not too bad. And he's just halfway through his round. Uh, of course, we'll uh, pay attention to uh, the Travelers over the course of the weekend. And um, well, another tournament next week. But all counting down to the final major of the year, the Open Championship after Wyndham Clark's big win at the U.S. Open last year. All right. We will get to the cool bet lines in a minute. But uh, let's get Remus back in here. Remo, how's the um, how's everything been going with the uh, testing of the new computer that we're going to need for next week? Yeah, really good so far. Uh, streams are working. We're going in the highest quality we've ever ever done. So we're gonna we're stepping it up here for Nashville. I'm looking forward to. We're it. stepping so, it up like it's better than the computer you have at home. Well, our laptop. No, I'm just boosting the quality. But no, it's I mean it's easily just just as capable. Um, Interesting. Yeah. Why had you not boosted the quality before? Just worried that it would uh, break something. I concerns about your internet at your place. Basically, that was <laughs> that, that was it. That was that was my concern. That's why I haven't. So we don't have to deal with your internet there. Uh, we're gonna be. In, I don't know what the hotel internet. I'm nervous about that. And I'm hopefully we can get a wired connection. But this is all technical talk. I don't think anyone wants this behind the scenes uh, type yeah. discussion of what goes on here. But. Oh, look, I no, got you'd be surprised. Some people actually do, but I still am. And maybe this is just a, an ability to give a shot at my personal internet provider. Yeah. But the fact that I went a halfway across the world to Qatar, had no ability to plug in, did it off Wi-Fi, and you said it was the best connection we've ever had for the show. Told yeah. us all we need to do about uh well, it's your Some of the internet services. Uh, well, services here. The, you're in a uh, building and you're limited by what they can offer you. Uh, so that's yeah. Well, we'll move to a massive WST studio at some point, and uh, mm. then we won't have to be. I've thought about, about that. that, but I I do like just waking up and coming downstairs and not putting on clothes. Yeah, well, I know you do. I know you do. You that do too. Point, you like you well, like roll out of listen, bed and go into no, your computer. It's true. It's true. There's a lot of benefits to, to both sides. And now we've got these great backgrounds. You know, what would we do with it? Well, anyways, we could use that as well. Hey, listen, let's get to the cool bet lines before we go tonight. As I mentioned, um, the bombers are six point favorites against the BC Lions right now. 
total for this game is 49 and a half, and the Bombers are minus 163 on the money line. But I want to point you out to a couple of exclusives. First of all, I did one up for them under the Winnipeg Sports Talk Parlay. If you go to exclusives and go down to the bottom, it's right there. It's Bombers to cover five and a half. So Bombers to win by six or more. Nick Dembski to have five or more catches in the game tonight. Dalton shown to hit the over prop on his receiving. So 76 or more receiving yards. And Zach Caleros to hit his passing prop of plus 270. I'm actually amazed at plus uh, 840. These are such correlated numbers, like the receptions and the receiving yards. That is true, actually. I thought it would be a much lower number. So uh, needless to say, I jumped on it as soon as I could. If you do want to ride with me on that one, it's plus 840 right now. That's the Winnipeg Sports Talk exclusive. And then if you go to the Coolbet exclusives, they have another one, and, and this is similar but less. So it's Bombers to win. You don't have to don't have to hit the uh the, the they don't have to win by six. Just bombers to win. Zach Caleros to hit that passing total of 270 or more yards, and Caleros to throw two touchdowns, that's plus two thirty-five. So obviously a much smaller number, but an easier bet to hit. But I still think that the plus eight forty is a crazy number that we got. We will take it though. Thank you very much. And here's a little sneak peek on tomorrow's. Lock shot partner parlay. It's already up. We're taking uh, Saskatchewan plus three and a half against Calgary. Edmonton plus six and a half at home against Toronto. And the Alouettes were buying an extra point to plus three and a half. That is up at plus 575. And tomorrow on the lock shop at noon, hour before Winnipeg Sports Talk over at the Lock Shop Bets YouTube channel. We will be live and uh, we'll break down all the games and uh, as well as everything hitting on this week. There is a draft tonight, Remus, the the uh, NBA draft. And I have to tell you, like, it is funny. Connor Bedard is not even on the board uh, when it comes to the uh, NHL draft odds right now. Victor Wembanyama, however, is a minus 33,333 favorite to be the number one overall pick. Uh, just to give you an idea about what that means, if you bet $10,000 on Wembenyana to be the number one overall pick, you'd win $30. Yeah, not worth it. Don't do it. That's like <laughs> sounds like some of the horse bets that I made. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, how did you do yesterday? Did you win any? No, I'm so cold. Uh, did you win? I hit a triactor. You did? I did. I mean, it wasn't a big money tractor. It was the race one, but uh, 1445. Oh, that's pretty good. So you were minus like six or minus five, five minus 550. So, well, considering I'd been pretty cold on the other ones, and I just missed my other one. But, uh, anyways, back to Cool Bet, though. And uh, NBA draft props tonight. If you're into that, you can check it out. And there's a whole bunch of NHL draft props, and they're adding more by the day. Um, so you can check that out and uh, we'll do a special segment probably on Tuesday, maybe of next week with a couple of the scouts and they get Patty on from, uh, from cool Bet to talk about some of our likes and dislikes for uh, what is on the board right now, but it's all there. Of course, cool Bet presenting our week in Nashville beginning on Monday, join us one o'clock Monday and throughout the week and turn your notifications on, on the YouTube channel and make sure you're subscribing to our TikTok, our Twitter, our Instagram, because we'll have plenty of additional content from Nashville. 
some serious, some maybe not so serious, um, but it'll all be there. And obviously anything happening with the Winnipeg Jets will be all over it with boots on the ground in Nashville. Obviously, we've got a big show tomorrow, Remo, to wrap the Bomber game, wrap the week, drop some marbles. Uh, but then I cannot wait to get out there and get this show going. It should be uh, should be a lot of fun for us. And obviously, we are expecting it to be maybe the most consequential week in 2.0 history with the potential of some legendary Jet names potentially on the move. This is getting crazy, and I'm I'm kind of, uh, I don't know, I'm getting like nervous here that we're going to be wis- witnessing Jets history with uh, moving from Jets 2.0 to... To 3.0. I love that saying, even if some people say, oh, no, it's actually like 2.1 now, because like, wouldn't Jets 3.0 technically be if they left and came back again? But anyways, I mean... No, 2.1, 2.0, it could be 2.1 the next season, 2.2. It, it yep. really does move on. That's why I kind of say you have the new thing. I mean, when you move on, there's no more Maurice, there's no more Wheeler, no more Shifley. When that happens, then... We're at the new, and then the, really the two guys, well, there'll be a couple guys, I mean, Ehlers and Connor, but I do think of Adam Lowry, Josh Morrissey as the guys that, you know, will be sort of the culture carriers of this new room going forward. And again, if you joined us late, listen to Ken's segment as well as the start of the show, um, the reports all over the place today, just confirming what we've talked about for the last little bit off of what Darren Drager's been reporting. Uh, it does look like, Blake Wheeler's days numbered with the Winnipeg Jets. And if there's no trade, there will likely be a buyout. And I know Jeff reporting, Remo, that uh, uh, big meeting today taking place within True North Sports Entertainment on the hockey side of management, discussing um, latest options, trade possibilities, uh, as well as the future of their former captain. Yeah, everyone's asking us to comment on the meeting. I'm seeing a lot of people in chat. You can comment on a meeting. Okay, everyone is like freaking out in our chat right now. Us that this people think the this chat's is like freaking out. You've got to be kidding me. That that's never happened. Before. They're like this is. They seem to believe that this because this is the first meeting that's been reported on. This is the first meeting <laughs> that's happened. And so Jeff, what? <laughs> so this is the reaction in the chat. So Jeff's saying right now. Let me bring it up. Jeff's tweet is, I've heard from multiple sources that Jets Brass has a meeting today to go over the future plans for the organization. This likely means some significant changes are on the horizon, including, as Mike's story reveals, an end of the road for Blake Wheeler as a Jet. Like, So this is the first big meeting that's been reported on. I'm sure that they've had meetings every single day leading up to the draft. I'm sure. This isn't, this isn't the first meeting that they've had to discuss what direction to take the team. People are like, this is the meeting? They didn't do this weeks ago? Uh, that's what people are saying in the chat. So they've been like begging oh, us. I, I wish to Ken talk was about. here because we could have get, he could have given his own a wake up to everyone there live on the program before. But we will steal Kenny's copyrighted line and give everyone that's saying that a wake up. Um, come on, people. Like <laughs> Yeah, so every I, time people meet, it's not reported. It just seems like this is the there's a finality to the uh, the Wheeler situation, and that's why this one's there. I can tell you right now, they've been doing scouting meetings, they've been doing pro scouting meetings. We <laughs> saw Mark Hillier at the Gold Eye game a couple weeks ago. He's back in time for this. Yeah, you, you, you know what it's like? On. It's like um, how some players post their off season workouts on Instagram, and you can see like them working out and like getting ready for the season. And then other players don't post them on Instagram. You're like, what? You, you weren't working out? You weren't preparing <laughs> for the season? 
And so, I mean, they've been meeting every day. Like, this is the first one that's being reported. I'm sure, well, you think they've been sitting around for like two months since the season ended. Like, playing Diablo do, 4 with Billick. Yeah, playing Diablo, <laughs> Diablo 4. So this is just the one that's reported on. I'm sure they're having talks every day. As you said, Scout, they're not going into the draft next week. Not having any type of So what of do you meeting. guys want to do? What are you yeah. what are you guys thinking? <laughs> yeah. So, so people have been begging us at chat. You guys gonna talk about this meeting? <laughs> like what's to talk about? They have a, they're meeting every day. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> everyone, I, sorry, everyone <laughs> in chat actually, sorry. Everyone in chat thinks Chevy's been at the lake the whole time. And now he's back. He's like, All right, guys, what's going on? What are we gonna do here? Who are we buying? <laughs> anything off? anything happening? Yeah, anything. Jeez, I gotta check my voicemail. <laughs> see if any See if anyone's left any messages. <laughs> That's the most ridiculous thing. I mean, you may disagree with the moves that are made, but like, let's operate in reality here, people. Like, come on. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, definitely a wake up from uh, from uh, from Ken. Listen, these meetings are happening all the time. They bring. They'd already had their scouts in pro scouts in they'll do more of those in nashville uh i know that you know some members of the organization are going out as early as tomorrow uh others over the course of the weekend or monday and um and i do believe that chevel dave actually is going to be staying in nashville through the week into the first day of free oh. agency as well which um are you reporting that insider a, that insider, uh, yeah, insider. Three R's, three R's. Wow. Um, yeah, we've been uh, kind of been hanging out trying to get flight details and whatnot. You got to get some, uh, got to get a good travel agent in your in your Rolodex. Um, hey, listen, um, <laughs> what what is? Okay, <laughs> uh, <laughs> sorry, it's your boy Bruce goes. People in the chat think they're scrambling like uh, Remo choosing a marble race track. <laughs> That's <laughs> great line, Bruce. That's a yeah, good. I'm <laughs> sorry. They they've got their track picked out. I'm sure. <laughs> how, how it goes? They go on we'll factory see. two, factory <laughs> twists and turns. The dojo, the, the dojo. <laughs> we will we will hit a uh, we, we will hit a marble race tomorrow. So uh, make sure to join us for that. Uh, it should be a great show. As I said, we're going to be wrapping up the week for the Blue Bombers. Looking ahead to the rest of the CFL week and uh, one more show uh, with the latest on the Winnipeg Jets before it's showtime in Music City all next week got uh, really looking forward to it thanks to all of you for joining us another great crowd in here if you haven't already hit that red subscribe button and uh oh beautiful over 200 thumbs up thank you very much everyone if you haven't already hit that thumbs up though it does help us spread the channel and uh join us tomorrow one more show before a weekend of travel and the show gets going winnipeg sports talk from the nhl draft in nashville presented by cool bet all next week beginning on monday we'll look forward to seeing you there hey if you see a uh Dude wearing one of these at the uh, the game tonight. Make sure to say hi. Um, shout out to our winners, by the way. Another great reason to be a member. We uh, had some uh, Canadian club, Jim Beam Social Passes, and uh, put out a word to uh, an email to the members. And um, we had a few winners. Mean Gene. Shout out to Mean Gene. Dave Asplin. It's your boy, Bruce. Catch you guys at the game tonight. And uh, thanks, big thanks to all the sponsors that make this show happen each and every day. Uh, enjoy the football game tonight. And we will see you tomorrow right here, 1 p.m., one more time in the peg before it's Nashville time on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Have a great one, everyone. Oh, my God. Oh! Shut it down. Let's go home. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. 
Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.